Hi everyone. Uh, I appreciate this is an unusual thing to do to open our first episode, but I felt it would be wrong to leave this message to the end. Earlier this week, the wrestling world was stunned by the passing of Scott Hall. The mood in the wrestling community has basically gone through the floor as a result, as Hall is one of the all-time greats in the industry. Now, most wrestling fans know Hall for his time in the NWO as one of its founding members, and if that were all he did, it would still be enough to make him one of the most important figures in wrestling history. But Scott Hall, known as the bad guy to his fans, was involved in so many moments that changed the course of wrestling forever, and for the better. His unannounced arrival on WCW's Monday Nitro broadcast in May of 1996 blurred the lines between the scripted product and the real world, and this storyline saw him and Kevin Nash eventually form, alongside Hulk Hogan, the New World Order, helping take World Championship Wrestling to astonishing heights and lighting a fire under the World Wrestling Federation, leading to the incredible peaks of the Monday Night Wars wrestling's most successful period ever. But before that, he was part of The Click, a group spoken of in hushed whispers for much of the early to mid-1990s, known to have a degree of backstage influence over the WWF product, more pertinently than that perhaps, he was part of the Madison Square Garden curtain call, an infamous incident in which the outgoing Hall and Nash, along with fellow Click members and friends, Shawn Michaels and Triple H, publicly broke kayfabe in order to say their goodbyes to one another, the earliest known large-scale example of the WWF breaking kayfabe. To cut a long story short, a side effect of this was that Triple H's punishment for his involvement in this unauthorised incident saw his planned King of the Ring victory being given to Stone Cold Steve Austin, who delivered a victory promo which led to him becoming the greatest superstar in WWE history. Yet before that, Hall, as Razor Ramon, and Michaels competed in a ladder match at WrestleMania 10. The contest was one of the defining bouts in wrestling history, and popularised the ladder match, a match type which is the focal point of one of the most important annual events on the wrestling calendar, Money in the Bank. Before even that, Hall had a match against a fresh-faced young talent, and nobody watching believed the upstart would win. In what WWE celebrate as the greatest upset victory in company history, Hall convincingly put over the rookie 1-2-3 kid, better known to us in 2022 as Hall of Famer Sean Waltman, X-Park. Without the support and friendship of Hall and his clique allies, it's possible Waltman, one of the smallest wrestlers in the WWF at the time, may have struggled to make his mark. And sometime later, in WCW... Scott Hall asked a very important question to Steve Borden. He asked the wrestler, better known as Sting, if he'd ever seen a movie called The Crow, and suggested he remodel his look accordingly. Sting's iconic makeover to match Brandon Lee's appearance in that film made both Sting and WCW a hell of a lot of money. These are just a small selection of defining moments in Scott Hall's career but it should hopefully be obvious that his influence was great and far-reaching. In addition to the litany of industry-wide, course-altering moments Hall was part of, he earned a reputation as one of the best in-ring performers of his time, and was quite evidently one of the most charismatic wrestlers to ever stand before a camera. 
Despite all this, and even in light of a lengthy career in both WWE and WCW, Hall never held a World Championship title as a singles competitor. This is probably the most glaring omission and greatest tragedy of his championship record. Hall was never bothered by this, however, claiming in an interview that he wasn't a mark for himself. Hall is remembered by fans as one of the greatest WWF Intercontinental Champions of all time, and won that title four times, putting on stellar matches in a period that needed to focus on in-ring skill rather than muscle-bound physiques. In spite of not being a mark for himself, in terms of gold won, he would almost certainly be proudest of his seven WCW Tag Team Championship reigns, six of which with his best friend Kevin Nash. Scott Hall was inducted into the WWE Hall of Fame in 2014 under the Razor Ramon name, and again as part of the 2020 class under his own name as part of the NWO. A Hall of Fame induction is the highest honour WWE can give any wrestler, and Hall was given it twice. In light of Hall's passing, the profile segment for episode 3 of this podcast will be focused on him. Suffice to say, if any wrestler has earned the right to rest in peace, it is Scott Hall. In the man's own words, Hard work pays off. Dreams come true. Bad times don't last. But bad guys do. From 2002 to 2008, World Wrestling Entertainment produced the Ruthless Aggression Era. Ruthless Aggression! As a power vacuum formed in the wake of wrestling's biggest boom period, WWE producers and superstars alike worked to reinvigorate their company and recapture success and acclaim. In the process, a string of future Hall of Fame level talent rose to the top and enjoyed crossover appeal in the public consciousness. We're going to take a trip back in time and travel through this amazing period in WWE history. The matches, the storylines, the home media and more. Every triumph and every heartbreak. Whether you were watching as it all unfolded, or you're here to learn about this era for the first time, this series will have something for you. This is Ruthless Aggression Relived. Ruthless Aggression! Hello and welcome everybody to Ruthless Aggression Relived! My name's LT Fletcher, thanking you for inviting us into your podcast listening device. And today, for this, the first episode of the series, I'm joined by my co-host, my new Legacy Inc. brother man in arms, and one of the co-owners of Deadlock Pro Wrestling, Mr. John Blood. How the Ooh. fuck are you doing today, Johnny? Wow, what a lovely intro. That's the nicest he's ever been to me. Uh, yeah, it's ever. not going to last, don't worry. On or off a show, <laughs> yes. Uh, <laughs> Thank you for having me. It, it means a lot that you would want me on your first episode because it could go horrible. Like this, I am, I am known to destroy places. <laughs> well, I mean, that's part of the plan because if it goes oh, badly, I can one blame and it on you. Sure. That's fantastic. <laughs> but yeah, thank you for having me, man. Well, thank you for saying yes. I mean, if you hadn't done, I would have just fucking bitched and moaned at you for the rest that's of fair. eternity. So. That's fair. That's true. 
before we jump into today's episode, okay. Um, for anyone that's not familiar with uh, who John Blood is, everyone that's everyone. everyone. <laughs> no one um, knows me. Wrestling superstar John Blood. No um, way. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I hear uh, future owner of WWE John Blood. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> Jesus, can you imagine? Fold within a week. <laughs> How dare you, man? I got. We're like three shows in for a fucking deadlock now, man. We're good. Um. So yeah, I was wondering if you would be so very kind as to give the lovely listeners a little bit of mm. a, a little bit of your background as a fan and any kind of general memories Holy. of this time span, all that good stuff. Okay. Um, I started watching wrestling in general. I think I have two distinct memories. I've told this uh, before, but I'll for you, I'll give it again because obviously, you know, you never know. You're so kind. Uh, I think uh, I, I pinpointed around the end of 1998 because I remember uh, two of my earliest memories are the Austin Taker Buried Alive match. Or was it? No, Highway to Hell match. Was that oh, yeah. as well? Whatever that was. Uh, Highway to Hell match. It might have been. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and also the finger poke of doom, and those are like one month apart. <laughs> so <laughs> talk about your opposite ends of the spectrum. Yes, those are yes. So it's like yeah, highest of highs, lows of lows for for a lot of things here. <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's when I, around that time is when I started getting into the, uh, wrestling. Uh, and then uh, so this era, I was deep into wrestling. Like this, mm-hmm. like obviously like, I was super you know, attitude era kid. Um, sure. So like yeah, it definitely followed through here. Uh, I remember this uh, vividly, uh, mostly because of the Brock thing. I remember, like, and that's I think the biggest, <laughs> the best part of the show for Absolutely, sure. 100%. <laughs> uh, yeah, I thought this era was cool, man. A uh, lot of changes. The brand blew my mind. Uh, I thought that was mm. a crazy concept. I, um, it didn't have maybe as much effect on me as it may have other people because I. Uh, like drafts and all, I didn't really know about because I wasn't a sports guy, and I'm still not. Uh, so like dr- the idea of a draft was like, oh, whoa, this is sweet. Like be on a team, that's pretty cool. Uh, all, and, all the NFL yeah. fans watching, like, oh, this is boring. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> so mundane. Yeah, I'm, sure, I'm sure. Yeah, put some matches on this goddamn show. <laughs> Fucking hell. Uh, yeah. So that that's pretty much it. Uh, and then of course, uh, God, I I met you. Ugh. <laughs> and your life was forever changed. Of course, not in, it was, it was in, long in after the same this, way that people who are set on fire's lives are forever changed. Of course, very very similar, just horrific scarring <laughs> mentally, just mentally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, when did we? When did we meet? Yeah. Because I mean, I, uh, I, I know mean, we, I know we can pin down when we started doing New Legacy, but it must yes, have been a while. It had to have been a that. year or two before that, because because mm. uh, you and Blake uh, had a uh, creator wrestler league yes. in uh, M Dickey's Wrestling Empire. Yes, uh, that I was a fan of. I was one of two fans. Of <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, nobody, nobody watched the Extreme Wrestling Syndicate. I they did, have. and Duel did. <laughs> Here we are. Uh, so, uh, and I commentated one of the shows uh, for you guys, uh, which because I love, I love the XWS, uh, and I, I imagine that's when we start. Like, is that when we st- met? Like around there? Because I don't know. I, I knew. I think I knew Blake. And I knew you because I knew you commentated XWS. Uh, mm-hmm. So I guess that it was somewhere around there. But yeah, it's been over 10 years, right? Yeah. 
Much longer than that, then. Twelve? So, a rock-solid friendship defined by constantly abusing one another. I've, oh, good lord. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then uh, we started New Legacy uh, one night out of, out of boredom and playing video games <laughs> uh, and a lot of nonsense. And uh, here we are. Here we are, year, many, many years later, still friends, still somehow playing games together, still as annoying as ever. <laughs> a little bit older, significantly less wise. Very dumb. So stupid. <laughs> Learn nothing. <laughs> that's, the, that's the best way to lead your life. Yeah, man. Absolutely. You know, take, take on the big lessons. Everything else. Sure. Be dumb. Be happy. You know? <laughs> sure. And alongside that, uh, I joined Deadlock with CM Pulse and Tony Pizza Guy, which uh, is a wrestling mm -hmm. brand that also has a podcast every Monday. Uh, we talk about uh, retro shows sometimes in this era. We actually reviewed the episode after this, the draft episode, many, many, many months ago, I believe. Uh, yeah, there you go. So then, you know, we sell wrestling merch, wrestling, all, every, all things wrestling is deadlock. And then uh, in December of 2021, which is probably the worst time to start a wrestling company, <laughs> we started Deadlock Pro Wrestling, and we're a couple shows in, and you can uh, you can see all that stuff and see people talking about it, and hopefully you don't hate it. That'd be cool. It's very, very good, and I know there's going, oh. there's going to, I know there's going to be some people going, oh well, of course you're going to say that, you know, your friend runs the show. Fuck, you off. better say. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. I say that without hyperbole. I say that without. You could, and you could not. I mean, you could like, you know, obviously there's Look, stuff. If I didn't you, like it, I'd just say nothing. Trust me. You just wouldn't watch it, and that's really? okay because I don't expect you to. But like, you know, it's uh, LT actively does watch it, uh, yeah. which is cool. Which I uh, it warms my little stinky heart. Oh. Well, today, we're going to be jumping back in time to a day long before New Legacy, and long before wow. DPW, long before some of the members of your roster were born, I think. How fucked is oh, that? Oh, God, there's definitely, that's true, that's definitely true. Oh, my God, don't say, take that out. <laughs> oh, 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 sorry, shit. Ah, my arms, God, they're turning disgusting. to dust. No, I'm so Jesus old. Jesus Christ. <laughs> God, today. How, how old was I here? Uh, oh, I was, I was, like, Maybe I wasn't even 10 yet. I must have I, been 9 years old. I would have been here. about 14 and a half. I was 9. <laughs> I was definitely e-fetting at this time though. <laughs> <laughs> Good year, man. I was a part of the wwf.com chat room e-fed. <laughs> oh my god. It's very true. I was Chris Harris <laughs> of, <laughs> of America's most wanted fame in TNA. I was Chris Harris. I was my guy. So, most specifically then, today we are looking at What's a retroactively the kickoff mm. point for the Ruthless Aggression era? They didn't know it at the time, of course, but given right. events that transpire on this episode, I'm not willing to put this as part of the Attitude Era, because I'm <laughs> Brock Lesnar did not appear in the Attitude Era. Fuck off. No, <laughs> no, no way. No way. I don't um, think so either. I mean, so is so is this where you say, like, after WrestleMania 18 is where Attitude Era is done for you? I, I always look at it as, like, WrestleMania 17 is the end, and okay. that year in between is the, the post-war period. That's, that's so the that's epilogue. Invasion Era. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That, that, that's, sure. that's the epilogue of the Attitude Era. Okay, it's not, I can see. It's okay. neither here nor there. It's not real. It's not canon. Right. <laughs> no, of course, but no, I, I, that's, I think that's a fair assessment. I, I, invasion era is, it definitely doesn't feel like attitude era to me, even though it's like no. so close. Even though it's very good, and if you disagree, you're wrong. <laughs> oh no! Putting the foot down on that one. There you go. Let them know. Today we are looking at WWF Monday Night Raw from Monday the 18th of March 2002, which mm. was 
uh, an episode dealing with the WrestleMania 18 fallout. Uh, and yes. what fallout it is, as 17,000 fans in attendance at the Molson Centre in Montreal, Quebec, Canada, are yes. about to find the WWF turned on its head. Your commentators for the evening, good old JR, Jim Ross, and Jerry, the King Lawler. JR actually says uh, it's, a, it's a cold snowy night here in Montreal, 17,346 fans if you want to get it, you know. This is also I, season ten, episode eleven on Peacock. <laughs> I, I, I'm miserable. At the, I, I, I'm glad you said that because we don't. I I forgot to check because obviously we don't have Peacock yes. yet over here, and I'm right. miserable at the fact that they're going to migrate to go yeah. that. Yeah, enjoy it. It's yeah, oh, no thanks. Boy. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it, thank you. Yeah, uh, I mean, we listen. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna tell people how to spend their money or their subscriptions. But all I'm gonna say is maybe. You might want to look into what kind of character Paul Burchill famously portrayed in WWE. <laughs> I'm not going to say any more than that. Fair enough. So, as the show opens then, JR says they expect a major announcement from Linda McMahon. Mm, the greatest of all the actors in the McMahon family is Linda, so that's already, we, we expect good things from this one. Yes. Uh, first segment of the show proper is... Oh, just to, just to let people know, by the way, the intro to this is uh, still... Uh thorn in your eye at this point uh, we yes. have not we have not moved on yet to uh to union underground, union or underground. Like that. No, I don't another, another two weeks on that one i think i was gonna say it's pretty close right i mean yeah, it must yeah. be soon I, uh, do, do you know what, actually i i have to say i hmm. think this might be my favorite raw set uh it's i mean the massive really like good. the massive rectangular titan trying to shit down the side it's it's pretty great yeah it's I, not I, overcomplicated. It, no, it's not, not oversimplified i quite like it I do enjoy the one that it turns into, though, as well. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the the big parallelogram Tron. Yes, which is, I don't know why <laughs> they did that, but it's awesome. It yeah. looks cool. Uh, but, yes, so it's still thorn in your eye. And I vividly remember, even though the intro was so fast with all the shots, like, I vividly remember a lot of the shots from it, like, like Lita diving and, and oh, gotcha. all that, you know. It's, it's just, ingrained it's cool. in there, man. Yeah, it's cool as hell. See, yeah. Yeah, man, do you remember when wrestling was good? What's that? No way. <laughs> <laughs> I, it's been so long. Like, re wrestling is good, but it's a long time since you've been allowed to say it, you know? <laughs> it's a different feeling, man. It's an entirely it different really feeling. Is, uh, I mean, you, even just by the crowd, they show the crowd shot when the show starts. So, uh, millions of signs. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, we talked about this on Deadlock, and we were trying to figure out, like, you know, why did signs go away? And I think it might have been James uh, that had the point that, like, it went away, like, as social media, like, when people could express yes. themselves on social media more, yeah. there was no reason to bring a sign that said anything, because you could say it to more people online that would see it, you know what I mean? It's yeah, a little absolutely. Sign. Yeah. Although it does rub you with uh, the occasional comedy gold, like signs that simply say ham, for instance, you know what that's all about. <laughs> there's, there's a couple signs during the show that I will get into that I thought would be <laughs> Oh, God. <laughs> all right, so the, the opening segment is astonishingly fucking lengthy. It's, it's so long. It's almost to the tune of twenty-five minutes. By the way, it's is not that really? A match. What, is that right? Mm, it's it's because way too long. It's well too long. It made me like as the show goes on. I was like, "There's no way that there was this few matches that are or that are this length planned yeah. for the show." I feel like things got cut because of this beginning part. Well, this and a later promo. Jesus God! Two later, two later promos. <laughs> Gee, oh yeah. So, 
Lillian Garcia, the lovely Lillian, lovely. introduces Hulk Hogan to the crowd. Uh, yes. And obviously, based on what they'd seen the night before, they all go nuts and Woo! embrace him warmly. Um, Hulk Hogan no longer a bad guy. The crowd have turned him back into a hero through the power of positivity, presumably. <laughs> he he does come out with the NWO theme in NWO yes. gear. Yes. And he, he has a look on his face like he's still unsure of how I the crowd feels. I imagine that they was are, probably... Yeah, probably on purpose. Th- that was probably a safety net just in case they yes. did boo him. And they, they were but like, they, okay, are, we'll go back they are losing it. Oh, gotcha. So many Hogan signs. Like, he has, like, this stoic face on, but you can tell he knows this is, like, kick-ass. Like, this rules. Loud and sustained part. Oh, my. For a while. So much so that, like, when he gets in the ring, they, like, don't even let him talk, which is... Yeah. I feel... I don't know when the last time that happened in a positive way. (laughs) I feel like that only (laughs) happened... people just chanting, shut the fuck up. Yes! A booing, like, shut the fuck up, booze. Like, that's when they don't... Like, Vicky Guerrero or, like, you know, like, Mm. when they do do it to Roman, like... I can't think of a time where like someone was stifled from talking because everyone was wanted to cheer them for longer. Which so is, happy to see him, yeah. Yes, this is cool. So there's a sign in the crowd that says NWO what? I don't know what they were portraying there. I think they <laughs> like NWO in Austin. I don't know what's going on. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Stone Cold in the NWO could have been what they were angling wow. for. Wow. God. Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? <laughs> no, I can't. No one wrestler should have that much power. That would have been insane, actually. <laughs> um... Now, like, Hogan's visibly touched by this, I think. Yeah, he's, as you should. I mean, why not? God, yeah. Like, he's he's pretty much on the verge of, like, tears of joy for a, a couple of minutes there. And it's... Yeah. It's kind like, of sweet. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure... the biggest Hogan fan in the world. I, I, I will yeah. say, though, I actually quite like this run that he has here. This is cool this, as hell. This is probably Hogan's best run, because Does not only is he, like... Does this lead to the Edge like... tag team on SmackDown? Yes. Yes, okay, yes, yes. yeah, which is cool. That's cool, and it leads to the Brock match too. Oh my god, the Brock match! Fucking hell, which I is love like that match so much. Yeah, it's it kicks ass. Um, but also it's the fact that like, while Hogan is still sort of this, you know, he's he's kind of on a mythical level of of wrestler yes. at this point. But also Vince is kind of wise to him at this stage, so he knows to tell right. him no, which he never yeah. did in the eighties and early nineties. So Hogan thanks the fans and he thanks the Rock and says that one day he and the Rock will square off once more. Mm, they do. Um they do. So Rock makes his entrance and the fans boo him. But you want to get some right back see, though. Oh my god, you want to see how good and how charismatic the Rock used yeah. to be. All he needs to say is, "Finally, the Rock has come back to Montreal." And they're all back in fucking building. Palm yeah. of his hand. Yeah, they're they right back it. in. Yeah, <laughs> didn't take any effort from the man. No, no way, man. Yeah, so he, uh, hits him right away with it. It's cool. Speaking of, uh, he's wearing a, a the the get ready. Uh, shirt which says get ready on the front and your candy s is next on the back which i think sucks <laughs> it's not one of his better ones no. Rock, rock's strangely weird throughout this next couple of weeks to be fair because mm. he's absolutely playing second fiddle to hogan sure and the rock yeah, yeah. should not be playing second second fiddle to no, anyone but just so he's over. like really restraining himself and you can kind of see it yes so rock thanks hogan Tells him it would be his honor to face him again any time, any place. But tells him he needs to ditch the New World Order mm. colors, as Nash and Hall turned on him the night before. Yes. So Hogan does so as only Hogan can. <laughs> rips the shirt in two, <sighs> tosses it away. Oh, brother, brother, brother. While, while Rock is putting Hogan over here and all, there's just a, <laughs> a, a we want Brett chant. 
<laughs> which I thought was pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, don't don't expect much Bret Hart coverage on this uh, this podcast, guys. Sorry. No. So Scott Hall, Kevin Nash make their way out to the wow, stage wow, wow. to one of the coolest theme tunes in the history so of wrestling sick. music. It's great. So good. Um, there's a little confrontation. It's kind of Nash is pissed. <laughs> he seems to forgot that wrestling's not real. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know if I've ever heard him this angry he's before. He's really fucking He's like, Hogan, you sure showed us what an act of defiance. Fact of the matter is, you turned on us before we ever turned on you. He said, we were brought in by Vince McMahon. The plan was systematic. Pick one guy, take him out. And the first guy was supposed to be Austin. And then Hogan's like looking at the crowd trying to you know, get a reaction. He said, don't look at them. Look at me, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I'm like, holy fuck. <laughs> and he's just fucking flipping out on him. And then, of course, The Rock, and only the the way that The Rock can, says, uh, he looks at Hogan, he says, let me handle this. He says, you come out here saying, he said, Big Daddy cool more like Big Daddy bitch. <laughs> holy shit. The Rock is crazy, bro. <laughs> It's not. It's not even clever. It's not but even it's good. No, incredibly funny. But, for some reason. but he's the coolest dude ever. So he could have said anything. He yeah. could have said "Big Daddy Droopy Diaper" and he fucking oh, <laughs> <laughs> fuck yeah, Rocky, Rocky, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. So the end result of all this is Rock challenges Holland Nash to a tag match, pitting yes. them against. The Rock and Hulk Hogan, and thus the main event is set. Yes, he also shits on Scott Hall during this, <laughs> doing all. Hey yo, Chico, Big Daddy bitch. <laughs> he does all the, <laughs> does all the, just hits all the gimmicks here. Uh, he says we're gonna inject our boots, turn them sideways, and stick them up your candy asses. I don't know what that means, but the crowd <laughs> loved it. <laughs> then he hits with the uh, Hogan the just and bring Rock it. doing one another's catchphrases. Yes. Yes, Hogan does the just bring it. Rock does the what you gonna do. Uh, and then uh, we go into a two-minute match after this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. <laughs> 25 minutes of talking. Real it long actually? Like, like, it's it's roughly that, yeah. It's not far right. off. There, I mean, admittedly, there's kind of a lot going off in it. And I know they needed to establish Hogan as the good sure. guy. And... Sure. They ha- I mean, it's, but, it, it wasn't a bad wow. segment. It wasn't a bad segment by any means. Like the crowd. No, I, I never it. found myself sort of thinking, oh, fucking hell, hurry up, which uh, we will come back to later. But, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but yeah, lengthy. And then, as you say, we have a very short match next, which is for a the title w- match. <laughs> it is uh, curtain jerking WWF Intercontinental Championship match. Rob Van Dam uh, versus Christian. Yes, Christian's entrance is all kick ass here with the pyro coming down. It's, Christian's it's so, so cool, sick. Man. Is he wearing gold? Like his? I don't know if he. It, it was always this way. It looks like he's wearing golden red edge gear. Like that's what his pants look like. It looks like just like edges, just golden. I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. Uh, which is, it's cool. I just, I was like, oh, okay, that's, that's weird. Um, RVD is also coolest dude. Uh, I don't know how it takes until, what is it, what year is One Night Stand? Like, 2006, 2005. It takes, yeah. it takes that long to get him a belt. Uh, doesn't make sense. Unreal. Oh, because it's he, not even the first one, it's the second one, right? It's 2006, yeah. Uh, so it's crazy. Yeah, it's and the thing like they, again, there will be a lot of this on on this mm. podcast. RVD is so fucking popular with yes. every crowd he performs in front of, and he's, it, it, like he's he's you know he's got the IC title, but he's not like in a crazy like feud or anything. Like, no, 
he's just RVD and that rules and people are like, oh, hell yeah. <laughs> he's he's one of those guys you can put him in a match with anyone and you'll get something fun. I think... Of course. Th- I think probably the thing that worked against RVD was the fact that... And, and he he would probably be the first to admit this. If you are in a match with Rob Van Damme and he throws a kick at you, he is gonna fucking kick <laughs> you in the face. Sure. So I can see yeah. why the main eventers would be reluctant to work with That's him. That's fair, yeah. Um, he comes close by the end of this year, though. Sure. Yeah, in yeah, the, he, the old he, elimination chamber. Yeah. Then things happen in that match, oh, and then he's moved wait. away from the title yeah, picture for a little yeah. while. That's <laughs> fucking true. <laughs> so... Not a great deal of note in in this one. No, Christian I... takes an early knee, early lead. Yes. RVD fires back, kicks um, are plenty. I mean, I I could probably watch RVD throw kicks. For I mean, they're minutes very on end. Good they're beautiful. <laughs> they're very good kicks. There's a sign in the crowd that says "Call me," and there's a phone number underneath, and I imagine I that's know. not their phone number. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's Al Snow holding Valvinus's phone number. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Um, so we get we get uh, Rolling Thunder, which is always a fun move to see. Like sure. it's a two. Christian hits an inverted DDT, uh, heads out of the ring to grab the championship. Looking as though he's walking away, seemingly not realizing that just holding the belt does not make him the champion. That's not no. how it works. So no. he walks backwards up the ramp, whereupon he's intercepted by the European champion DDP, representing Fozzie. <laughs> Apparently, <laughs> what the- why? <laughs> I'm always upset when Chris Jericho represents there. Never mind anyone else. <laughs> Have some fair. respect. Yeah, come on. Um, so, DDP throws Christian back into the ring. Heel kick from RVD. Five-star frog splash. And that's the win in just a couple of minutes. Three, at least, right? Like, nothing. It's no, it could not have been yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 a real quick one. I mean, it's fun for what it is. Sure, I mean, it's a, it, it good got basic there. fundamentals. But sure, I, I, I mean, I'll be honest, it's kind of amazing how they how much they manage to fit into such a small space of time. Right. Yeah. And you get you do get some good character stuff with Christian and DDP because obviously they've been feuding, and Christian had right. the the big old tantrum thing going off. That that was his gimmick. He was just a big crybaby tantrum man. Yes, I don't even think Christian is on the next pay per view though. I don't think Backlash Show 2, is. is that right? I can't, I can't yeah, remember I off the top so. of my head, but I don't think so. Yeah, it doesn't so. look like he is, now. Um, I, I feel like, I, I don't know, in a way I kind of feel like maybe a quick match might have been a good thing to get the fans, sort of, you know, pick them up a Give little bit. Give them something, yeah, segment. yeah. But at the same time, like, did you have to squash a title match down to less than five no. minutes? Because they, I mean, after they do that. Uh, there's a uh, you know not I'm not you know we're we're gonna double back but there's that mm. there's a backstage seg there's another very short match mm. then there's another long promo oh yeah after an announcement segment so there's like not a lot of in ring time for the first no, what seems like be an really hour not. of the show so after this uh, first little match of the evening then we hop backstage where Chris Jericho arrives and he looks pretty fucking unimpressed with everything. Um, no, he, he's pissed. He's he's pretty mad. He encounters a security guard who looks huh. suspiciously like <laughs> Montreal native and WWE <laughs> development tal- uh, talent Sylvain Grenier. That's very strange. Yeah, it did look yes, like that. It looks incredibly like Sylvain, and in fact. For some reason, Sylvain wanted to be an asshole to you, Chris Jericho <laughs> here. I was <laughs> being And then everyone's surprised that he gets his ass whooped. <laughs> what the hell? Uh... Jericho passes by him and he says, yeah, it's funny, Jericho is like upset and Sylvan's a security guard here and Jericho looks up at him and he walks by and he says, 
Jr. <laughs> <laughs> and so Vaughn says, the fans of Montreal are so excited to see you, and they can't wait to rub it in your face. And Jericho <laughs> stops, and he looks at him, and he says, rub it in my face. He says, yeah, yeah, you know, that you lost the undisputed title. And then, rightfully, Chris Jericho starts whooping his ass and beats the shit. Slap, he puts him against the wall and slaps him like five times. I was like, holy fuck. He's throwing him back and forth between the walls, rips his shirt. There's no security here to help the security. <laughs> <laughs> Probably should have had a radio of some variety. Maybe. And yeah, Jericho beats his ass. And even on commentary, you can hear JR saying, oh, well, we'll watch. And then he stops himself because like, I think JR very quickly realizes that it was that guy's fault. <laughs> yeah, oh, just, stop, just stop it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a strange one. But uh, like the end result is Jericho pretty much says, well, the people of Montreal aren't going to get the chance to rub it in his face, spits on him, and oh then leaves the way he came in. Bienvenue. So, <laughs> big bienvenue. <laughs> I yeah. think, even even though Sylvan started it, Jericho did come off looking like a dick, but then again, he's supposed to, so that's fine. That's true. Yes, it worked out, but yes. I, I do think, however, massive shame, this is the full extent of everything Jericho is going to do on this episode. Yeah, he's, um, he's, uh, he's before, he actually leaves. Yeah, the day before he'd walked into WrestleMania holding the biggest prize in the industry. And he made now he is just uh, a nobody, beating up yeah. Sylvain Grenier. Oh, well. I kind of feel like I could beat up Sylvain Grenier on a good day, so <laughs> I would not like to that see much that. of an that'd achievement. Be, I, I think that'd be pretty sweet if you did do that. <laughs> Sylvain Grenier, if you're listening, I'm very sorry. That was a joke. <laughs> the world is Sylvan. I don't know why the song said Sylvan and not Sylvain. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I couldn't find anything online when I checked. I would hope Jericho was in, like, a post-show dark match. You know what? Uh, maybe. Oh, yeah, I could see that. Co- considering see how that. the main event ends, and you know, sure. you want to send the fans home happy, I would sure. be. Sure. I I would be kind of surprised if there wasn't like a dark main event, but who yeah, knows? I could see who that. knows? Yes. So Jr. reiterates that Linda McMahon has a major announcement about the future yes. of the WWF, and an equally major announcement from Jerry Lawler as he announces Billy and Chuck will defend their tag titles against the Dudleys. Wowzers! Just- just before that, they also had advertised Trish Stratus versus Lita, and uh, that was just before the commercial. And as it fades away to commercial, Jerry Lawler says, Puppies! Thank you, Jerry Lawler. <laughs> Appreciate it. Excellent contribution, as yes, always, yes, yes. Mr. Lawler. So, for those of you who are just joining us, when Jerry Lawler says puppies, he means a lady's breast parts. Mm, yes. This has because not aged very well in the intervening years. What, what is the, uh, how did, what was it because of Deborah? But why was it puppies? I don't remember. Uh, do you know, I, I did know this and I've completely forgotten. It, it, I, it was 100%. It, it was Deborah. Yeah. Um, I, I just I don't think, why. I think it was like during her time mar- managing Jarrett. Yeah. And he was like doing the, the super jealous sure. thing. And it, that led into him being a misogynist dickhead and getting his ass sure, by yes. China, which rules. Well, if you know, listeners, why. <laughs> Drop us an puppies. email. <laughs> yes. Tweet, uh, is there a Twitter? Tweet it at yeah, whatever the hell. Yeah, tweet it at RA Relived. We'd love there to you know. There you go. Yes. Um, so, yeah, g- g- give, give me a history lesson. Teach mm. the teacher, ladies and gentlemen. Mm. <laughs> Alrighty, are you ready for some women's action? Yes. Excellent, because is... that's what we've got now. We've got a solid 0.4 of a second of a match. Cry. Yeah, this is shorter. It felt shorter than the first one. Yeah. Uh, Trish, Trish versus Lita here. Versus Lita. 
Trish uh, is not using her infamous theme. Uh, that doesn't change until October. Uh, but Lita had just adapted the uh, So Fuck Your Rules Man song. Hell yeah. uh, but, but it's the full version of it. They have not cut it down to sound mm. cool yet. <laughs> it is just the actual <laughs> ver- real song of it. I didn't realize there was a different version. Yeah, there's act- like the, the album. The, it's a real full song right. that doesn't cut right to uh, So Fuck Your Rules Man at the sure. intro. Oh, it's just okay. like. She's like, I love that fucking shit. Goes like, that's what this one is without the initials. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas of course now it's got the yes, yeah. <laughs> Which she is the whole, they, cool. they they cut it they cut it better for for hell yeah. Her. Um, unintentional moment of hilarity as Jar and King run through the night sponsors, uh, which are Stacker Two, the world's strongest fat burner, mm. and Burger King. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> they go hand in hand. What are you talking about? You go, you go, and you get a you get a Burger King meal. You know, uh, me, I would get some chicken fries. I would get me a chicken yeah, fries, sure. maybe a chicken. I love me a chicken these days. Uh, and then right after it, I just you know down some stack of two to make myself feel less shitty about the night. I kind of imagine that both companies were probably watching that absolutely horrified that that happened. They should have sold Stacker Two at Burger King, man. It was a match made in heaven. What did did you ever did you ever drink any of these stacker drinks? Because no, I did not. No, we did. I I did not. I should have, but but I did not. Because this is a long running partnership with. Oh hell yeah! They they sponsor them for. God, it must be well over a year. Oh, it's much longer than that. Because they, I'm pretty sure, I think Stacker Two is is an Attitude Era one as well. Um, so and I, I remember, I remember the, uh, the YJ Stinger. That, that YJ Stinger. That, that uh, was the one that was like the big yes. one that they had for ages. Castrol uh, GTX. Castrol GTX. It's yes. sponsoring Backlash actually for this show or for you know the pay per view. Uh, yeah. Nothing yeah, makes stuff. me think of motor oil more than a professional wrestling show. <laughs> you know yeah. when I'm watching when I'm, I'm watching Triple H pedigree, and I'm thinking, Cash man, Cash my Cash. car's making a funny noise. Hell yeah. I'm chugging fat burners and Castrol GTX. I'm going crazy. <laughs> this one horrendous concoction. This, from what I understand, I tried to look it up. Um, I, I looked up on Cage Match just to see because it feels like this is very early on in both of their careers in terms mm-hmm. of feud wise. Because it didn't seem like they were making a deal like, oh, these two are rivals. Long time. Um, it, from what I understand, this may be the third time they ever wrestled against each other on TV. Wow. Uh, in a singles. Um, because there was a lot of like Hardys and TNA stuff. Sure, yeah, yeah. But purely singles. I think this is their third singles match on TV ever. I think they wrestled a couple house shows uh, against each other, but uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. I was like, oh wow, yeah. that's because uh, you know obviously they is... have a lot more. Oh to come. god, yeah. This is sort of the defining women's rivalry in history, I guess. Sure, yeah, yeah it's, it's... definitely during the ruthless aggression era. Absolutely. I mean, Trish Stratus and Lita, I know it's well-worn ground, but probably the two greatest women superstars of all time in women's wrestling. I think, I'm going to, you know, cards on the table, I think the quality of the matches we have these days tremendously improved. But in terms of, like, a connection with the fans, an actual superstar feel, it's probably still those two as your all-time greats. I'm sure you'll be hard-pressed to find a lot of, uh, you know, women's wrestlers that came out 
uh, and started to become wrestlers in the in, mm. you know ten to fifteen years after Trish and Lita. I feel mm. like you'll be hard pressed that one of them, you know, all of them won't have Lita or Trish in their top five. Sure, gotcha. You know, I, I, I'll be honest. Three. I I feel like the only women's wrestler, and you know, I'm, I'm going to be slightly biased in favor mm. of one of my favorites here. I feel like the only one that's come close to their level of superstardom is probably Becky Lynch. Yeah, I'm sure. Which yeah, to, yeah. I I don't imagine people are going to be that. In terms of overness, yeah, absolutely. No, I don't. I I think that that's pretty solid. Because Becky um, had Becky was popular with the people that just liked good entertaining matches, not just like oh she's right. good for a woman, which right. unfortunately yes. was kind of the stipulation. Yeah, for a long time. Yeah, and it, I I think I'm I'm going to be honest. I think this era does a lot to improve that. And then when we move on to the universe era, it's just straight yeah. down the fucking toilets. Yeah. When uh, John Laurinaitis decided, hey, you know what? You know every episode of SmackDown is <laughs> a bikini contest. <laughs> so, very quick match. This one moves absolute lightning pace. Uh, Trish attempts a stratisfaction at one point. Lita chucks her off at the last moment, climbs a turnbuckle, delivers a moonsault, picks up the win. Yes, big win for Lita here, but it's uh, not long of a celebration. Because Jazz comes out and whoops her ass after the match, just gloms her from behind, Jazz takes her out, rules. just fucking nails her. Uh, and then uh, Trish tries to stop Jazz from uh, beating up Lita, yeah. but Ivory comes out in a little hat. And, uh, <laughs> I don't really know what the hat was about, actually. I don't know. It was sweet, though. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> she comes out and jumps Lita, jumps Trish, uh, and then Ivory and Jazz stare down, and, and they shake hands here. A little bit of an alliance for yeah. Ivory and, and Jazz here. This is this is kind of a weird one. This, this kind of plays out on like the last couple of shows between now and the draft coming into effect. Yes. This mini tiny rivalry. Mm. Um Jazz and Ivory on one side, Trish and Lita on the other. Yes. <laughs> Doesn't really go anywhere. Very strange. No, not no, no in terms of yeah, in, like I don't cuz Jazz not... ne- Jazz Jazz gets teamed up with Molly. Right. In a couple of weeks time. Yes. Um, is Jazz is champ right now, right? Jazz is the the women's champion. Yes. Yes. But yeah, I no, nothing really nothing really says I just kicked the shit out of two people more than a tiny little cowgirl hat. I think it was. I think I that's, that's it the was fashion statement. She should have kept it. I yeah, like it. Where did it come from? But then it's it's gone again. Maybe she was gone for something new. Yeah, I, unless she gets hurt, maybe. Uh, or she she was doing tough enough around. The I was gonna say, time. but you think maybe they just. Next season of Tough Enough started filming, and that's why she just disappears again. Could be, yeah. Yeah. Ivory's great on Tough Enough, by the way. She is lovely. Ivory's a very entertaining human being. I actually just rewatched every season of uh, Tough Enough the other month. Ooh. They hold up. I love them. Well, I th- that being the case, I'm going to drag you into a, a studio at some point. We're going to have to dissect season two. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I thoroughly love Tough Enough, man. It's something it's that like very I wish good. I wish I'm it would come back. Or Peacock, so check them out. They're good. I, I wish it would come back. I'm gonna. We're gonna open a, a deadlock pro wrestling school just so we can do Tough Enough. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Can you imagine? Wouldn't that be so sick? <laughs> That'd be amazing. <laughs> Alrighty, so, speaking of things that are funny, Linda McMahon. <laughs> Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. She, she's sat at her desk. This is uh, WWF, Chief, Chief Executive Officer. I had to get the mm. letters in the right order there. Of course. Um, Linda McMahon, Vince McMahon's real life wife, of course. Yes. Um, with a, 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 At her desk, her very professional desk, she has... 
WWF magazine, of course, because what, of course, else, she was what else would it. you read as a successful businessman why would you read or woman? Nothing, why would you read something else? She has the event program for the previous night's WrestleMania, just sure. presumably refreshing her memory of what happened less than 24 hours ago. Yes. So she thanks the fans around the world and the WWF superstars that helped make WrestleMania an overwhelming success. And she announces the board of directors have reached a decision on an action plan for the company. Uh, Linda says the board is afraid that if they do not take action, Vince McMahon, she doesn't even call him my husband, it's like just, <laughs> this, this, this other guy, no bro. relation, no She's relation. Be, I, would you want to be associated with Vince at this time? <laughs> Fair folks, He was no, a big asshole not. on TV. <laughs> <laughs> so they're afraid if they don't take action, Vince and Ric Flair's continuing animosity will continue to be counterproductive for all concerned. Therefore... The board are proposing a brand extension in which Flair would have 100% control and authority over Raw and Vince would have the same over SmackDown. Uh, she continues and says the board would... Uh, they also propose a draft to take place Ooh. the following week in which the two co-owners will select the talent they want exclusive to their brand with the women's champion and the WWF champion expected to provide their services to both brands. Now, when this, I, I thinking back on it, when I watched this uh, as a kid, I don't feel like I grasped what was this meant. <laughs> like I, I just Not assumed, a clue, no, no. I just saw uh, Lynn McMahon. I fucking zone out. <laughs> like I don't think I was paying <laughs> attention, man. I was like, whatever. <laughs> and then obviously the draft happens. Like, oh, this kicks ass. I this is it. great. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like Linda, the and this is not me being personal, but Linda McMahon is not an actor by any stretch. No, she but. Is, but not charismatic. So, like you say, you do kind of switch off when she starts talking. <laughs> the pop when uh, from her doing nothing for like three months and being in a wheelchair for her standing up and oh fucking Vince up was one of the fucking best wrestling things ever. Hell yeah, yeah, she was awesome. Um, Linda says this is an exciting adventure for the World Wrestling Federation. Um, I replayed this four times because I was okay. like, surely she means. An exciting new venture, but no, it's an adventure. <laughs> we're, we're all going. We're all going on a boat into the Amazon. <laughs> we're going to search for treasure. It's going to be great. Uh, she so. says, "Hell yeah!" She says the board feels this is the only solution to ensure the competition between Vince and Flair becomes a positive for the company, the superstars, and the fans. But in reality, it was what they just wanted their own. They had, like, they, yeah, they had their too own much competition. Talent. Yeah, yeah, right. They had too okay. too much talent, not enough airtime for him, basically. So c- sure. because obviously at the mi- at the minute is the way things go. If it played out as is, you'd have every show would have to be about the NWO, Hogan, Rock, Triple H, and whoever. Right. You don't I have wonder... time for anything else. So no they, way. this is this is a, a good move, really. I wonder I if they ever considered making both shows three hours at that point. Oh my god, I... Which would have been crazy. Oh my god. Yeah. yeah. Like, th- for, for context then, uh, dear listeners, if you don't know, Raw and SmackDown at this time were two hours long. Raw yes. is now three hours long. It's Correct. well too long. It's Very been, long. It's been three hours for the best part of a decade now as well, hasn't it? It's... Oh wow, you're right. Yeah, yeah. We're we're definitely gonna get to the point where there's more three hour rolls than, than not, two. which is scary. The the thing is, like, they made the shows longer, but didn't seem to write any extra material. Whoops, the daisy. Same. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's it's not to to me for a major wrestling show. Two hours is the perfect length. 
I think so too. I think I. I mean, there's. I. I you can. You can tell a lot of storylines, and you know, have yes. all your championship shit go off, and yes, you can have without extra stuff. without commercials when you like when you watch it on the network or Peacock. Yeah. It's it's ninety minutes, which ninety minutes to me is the perfect length for a wrestling show. Perfect. You could argue an hour is even better, but I think you know for a, a a company as big as the WWF or WWE, ninety minutes is. Perfect. With, with as much, with as many plates as they have that need spinning, it is sure. perfect length. I think. Yes, 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 yes. Um, DPW shows are only about forty-five minutes long, and you forty-five minute get, adrenaline you, rush you, is what they're you calling it. You usually get three fucking excellent matches per show. <laughs> so yes. check that out, boys and girls. Hey, feel free. Or don't. Um, That's okay too. So backstage, we see Vince walking with purpose. While mm. wearing a really shitty shirt. Pinstripes fucking here, baby. <laughs> not a fan of the pinstripes. I, I'm not a fan of this particular <laughs> pinstripe shirt. No, he looks insane. This is not a good Vince <laughs> shirt, dude. No, he looks insane. So, <laughs> Which, to be fair, I mean, I get it, it. This is something that I've come to appreciate in recent years. One of the best ways to be a heel. Like it's really dress like a it's fucking asshole. Dress like an asshole, yeah. Like, Christian like... did it forever. Oh my Christian's, god, yeah. all of Christian's gear was obnoxious. <laughs> Absolutely. So after the ad, uh, ad break, Vince hits the ring looking pissed off. Yes. And naturally, because we are in Montreal, soon as his music fades out, the fans chant, you screwed Brett. Yes. Uh, he doesn't acknowledge is... it, though. Yeah. Which uh, so I... That... I that's don't a, know. That's in response to something that happened like five years ago at this point. And be prepared to hear it for never stops. Five. Yeah, it, it never <laughs> stops until Brett comes back. Really, yeah, that that's the point at which fans finally get over it. So yeah, but it, like it is, it's kind of cool though because I think even though the fans hated Vince for this and they they hold it against, I think I I feel like they kind of warm to Sean eventually. Um, sure, I mean you you know. But, but they, still, they hold it against know, Vince and Sean yes. and Hebner for a long old while. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, Montreal's always a packed house for them. So and it's the loyalty, a hot crowd. It's a red hot crowd. So, like, the loyalty to the brand and to the sure. rest of the wrestlers is obviously so strong. Like, Canada's a good a good territory for WWE. Yeah, it's today. good wrestling. Good wrestling. Oh, gotcha. Good, good pedigree in the fans and the, and the actual You're going to pedigree the well. fans. Wow. I'm going to pedigree every single one of them. They're going to get into a big line. Holy shit. <laughs> um, but yeah, like Canada's, always, I, I don't remember what the order is, like the top three markets for them. I obviously, um, the USA is, their number one market. You damn I right. <laughs> I can't remember like, like <laughs> Canada, Canada and the UK are two and three. I can never remember which order it is. I I sure. suspect Canada's probably number two. But sure. Canada's always been a really good market for them. Well, it's anyway. also easier for them to go to as well. Absolutely, yeah. So whereas we get two shows a year, if we're lucky, Canada can have like twenty. <laughs> right. Not jealous at all. So Vince addresses Linda's comments. And expresses his displeasure at no longer being on Raw, despite being the man who created it. He calls the fans an unusual French-Canadian crowd. <laughs> was, uh, but he tells them he's going to be nice to them, and he doesn't want to be mean. He I love that. He offers the fans a simple, heartfelt goodbye, and JR says that's impossible, because Vince has no heart. <laughs> Which is, I thought was really funny and right. quite I thought that was, a, it was well. pretty good. He, he's, when he says the uh, unusual French crowd thing, he lets them react. And he looks at me and he says, I was nice to you, don't make me be mean. <laughs> <laughs> what? I fucking love Vince there. Like, Vin- Vince is so good, man. He's like, tremendous. It's, I, I think I, 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 it's, 
I don't know if there's a, ever a time in wrestling where fans ever had more fun than when they did getting the fuck with Vince. Because mm. it's just the best. He owns the company and you get to call him an asshole and a bitch uh, yeah. all the time. And it's it's, it's basically best. encouraged that you will yes! shout asshole, asshole at him every yeah. week. They, oh, well, uh, jumping ahead a little bit, I, I, I'm sure you'll, you'll talk about it, but I want to cover it's one of my favorite fucking wrestling things ever during the draft episode that is when the rock gets <laughs> the crowd to do the you are an asshole back and forth chat which is one of the best things ever i love it's it so, so much good. like that that lasts a couple of weeks as well for vinzy can't shake not as long as i wish it would but yes no. they, they try because they just it, it's it's kind of hard to to get that going it was probably like well, you know, we, if Vince is going to be on SmackDown, we can't say asshole, but we can't stop the fans from saying Sure, it. yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, Vince says Flair is no Vince McMahon, and lacks certain qualities that make a good businessman, such as killer instinct, marketing savvy, and mind manipulation. <laughs> I've got like wow. five question marks here. <laughs> Vince McMahon, actual supervillain. Ah, I mean, that's probably, I, I don't see that as uh, not what they were going for. <laughs> well, uh, to be fair, yeah. <laughs> uh, he predicts Flair will be a miserable failure, only yes. for Flair to interrupt Woo! him. Wee! Here comes Flair. <laughs> uh, Vince tells Rick he doesn't hold a grudge, but he assures him he enjoyed every moment of The Undertaker beating him limb from limb the night before. He, he says, uh, you know, why you got your hand on that rope? He hits his hand. Why you got your hand on that rope line like <laughs> two or three times? I don't know why you kept fucking with him about this rope, man. Leave him alone. <laughs> He says, uh, you can't stand up straight, pal. Under those bandages, it, it probably looks like hamburger. Because of WrestleMania and because of the man that kicked your ass from one side of the ring all the way to the other. The Undertaker. And he says, I'm not the man to hold a grudge. <laughs> what? <laughs> he says, I enjoyed every moment of Undertaker beating you limb from limb. The crowd has, by this point... They cannot stop chanting na 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 na. Hey hey oh hey! Goodbye. <laughs> they are loving that shit. Mm. And then Vince says, "You people can't even sing in tune." <laughs> <laughs> it was just tremendous. Vince is like Vince. I, 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 you guys don't really have this tradition in America, but for the benefit of the British listeners, Vince is a pantomime villain. Like he yes. knows he's the bad guy. He just wants the crowd reaction, and he'll shout whatever the shit he likes sure. to get it. He's yeah, so yeah. good. So the two of them squabble like a pair of old dickheads until Vince. <laughs> <laughs> this is this devolves into a nothing segment. Dude. Yeah, it's just them yelling at each other. Um, Vince says he'll prove his superior mental acumen by mm. drafting a better roster than Flair. Uh, sure. And he says they should start things off now by flipping a coin to see who gets the first draft pick. This is... Weird. This is very weirdly shot, I because, thought, well, and acted. Wonder why, because it definitely... I have... High doubts that it actually landed on heads, as Vince called. Mm, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, no, but, so, like, uh, why Fla Why Fla was this allowed to, like, why did Vince and Flair get to decide who gets the first draft pick? <laughs> why was that not a Linda, like, yeah, thing where she think, set up, like, yeah. a thing for that? Yeah. I Presumably, like, it, in character, she would have just been like, oh, well, fair enough, they, they've yeah, done it yeah, now, we yeah, might yeah, as sure. well. The fans sure. have seen it. So, mm -hmm. Vince calls heads. Sure enough, the coin lands heads up. Yes. Um, Vince tells Rick... To get accustomed to what just happened, starting this week and every week thereafter, he will win. 
and Rick will lose. When... And then he sucker punches it. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right, one, before, uh, when when Vince pulled out the coin to say, let's do a coin toss, Flair took the coin and Lawler says, what a thief. <laughs> 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 Which I thought was fucking great. And then, yeah, Vince turns away after saying, I win, you lose. He turns back and just pops Flair right in the fucking head and Flair bumps for it and, like, yeah, he's dude. dead. And then Vince does the most insane interpretation <laughs> of the Ric Flair strut that I've ever seen in my life. He is fucking going insane. Arms are all over the place. I don't know what's happening here, but by the time he's done, he turns around and Flair punches him. Vince is not bump for this first punch, which I, I thought was hilarious. Vince fucking popped him and he died and Flair has to hit him like three times and chop him to get what him down. power move, dude. <laughs> just... Fucking asshole. I'm and then he Flair, you, you son of a bitch. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> and then Flair puts Vince in the figure four, which is a pretty cool visual as well. Yeah. I gotta say, how did they miss such an obvious reveal as Vince... Like, just a backstage segment would have done it. Have Vince revealed that he had a double-headed coin? How obvious would that have been? Oh, sure. Yeah, that would have been fun. I was, I was honestly expecting that, and no. But oh well, never. Flair mind. doesn't even look at the coin. I don't even know what kind of coin <laughs> no, it was. He just takes it. Takes it as honestly, as it probably it was, was a double-sided coin. <laughs> <laughs> like for real, just so they could, just in case any fans saw it, it was heads for sure. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, so up next, we have a slightly longer match. We got some tag team action. We have the team of Booker T and Kurt Angle versus Edge. And Kane. Wow, skip these the... teams really belong together. <laughs> yeah, this was. I don't. I thought it was Booker versus Kurt at first. I was like, oh, okay. Mm. And then I was, there was more entrances. I was like, oh, yeah, true. Uh, you're gonna skip over the lovely WWF.com screenshot of Triple H with the undisputed title. <laughs> <laughs> I, <laughs> but, I, was, I was thinking about it. <laughs> lovely, lovely shot on a. I don't even know what browser. Oh, this was Netscape browser. Yeah, uh, WWF.com and boy, oh boy. This is this is <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> it's not. I don't even know. I I guess this was like maybe the the first screen you see when you go to www.com. I, I think and you click it was the flash page. Yeah. Yes. The and then you go. Stuff. Yes, that sounds about right. Uh, I I feel like the website at this time was like okay, but it kind of got it good got within the next yeah, year or so. It gets better. But yes, tag match: Booker and yeah. Kurt against Edge and Kane. Kurt Angle's uh, black gear is awesome. I love, I love this look. Very rare that he gets black gear in. WWE yeah, as no, well. like, definitely. Like yeah. he, I think he said on his podcast, like all his gear has red, white, blue, and gold. I yes. don't. I'm not sure about the gold, but I, I would, I'd be inclined. I'd be inclined had... to say 99 percent of them have those. Four. Sure. Yeah. I think but, this one had some gold in it. Yeah, but like the 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 black is quite rare for Kurt in in this. It looks cool. It becomes like one of his standards in TNA, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, even in his badass. ECW, yes, ECW mm. versus Run. Um, loud, you suck. Chance here, yeah. Like, very oh, the, the loud. fan, you can tell they love Kurt though. Yeah, yeah. Because like, even though he's a heel, he gets a really good big. Oh, job. absolutely. Um, and how, Kane, like, how can you not, dude? Oh my he's god, so good. He's the best. Kane is jacked. Oh, 2001-2002 Kane, best Kane. He's a, just oh, putting I, it there yeah, on the I, table. Yeah. He is a fucking gigantic human being. I have this never seen crazy. a more terrifying visual yeah. than this seven-foot bastard walking down yeah, the ring crazy. to it's rip crazy. people's throats out. So good. So yeah, Booker T kind of the poor man of the four years. All, yeah. all the other three get really big reactions, and Booker T's just like, yeah, I'm here too. But you know what, man? Like, even uh, there, uh, 
you know, go, going forward uh, in in your series here of, of ruthless aggression, Booker does get really fucking over, and oh, they yeah, it, do, it doesn't take long. Very, they give him very little. <laughs> like, mm. like he obviously gets promos, and like he does the you know they they did the Austin thing. Uh, obviously, he does the Triple H thing, and it's a lot of you know Booker's there, Booker's there, Booker's beaten, and he's beaten, and you're yeah. gonna beat him again, and he gets beat some more, but he stays over for oh, yeah, a really fucking long time. Like forever, I, really. It's, like, it's he's only over. it's only a couple of months away from where we are with this episode that I think the fans are ready to accept Booker T as a top guy. I think so too. Yeah, he's uh, you know, he's he's a WWF guy now. Fairly respectable tag team stuff here. Sure. Uh, Angle, in. Angle and Booker do a little bit of good heel work behind the ref. Mm. Like there, there's a, a fun little bit where the ref sort of suspects that Angle hasn't made a tag, but he can't prove it, so he's just like, <laughs> uh, you got to keep yeah. that shit visible. Like yes. oh, you can't do jack shit. Um, at one point in the match, Booker and Kane are fighting on the outside. Kane gets thrown by Booker into the steel steps, and the cameras Holy. barely pick it up. It makes yeah. the loudest noise. I had to wind it back because I was like, did a bomb just go off yeah. in the arena? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, Kane just absolutely tanked himself into the steps, and you could barely see it. If you're watching that it live, sucks. you probably wouldn't have noticed. So. Yeah. It, those GG stairs Kane. are very fucking loud, though. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Kane and Booker carry on fighting on the outside. Kurt, meanwhile in the ring, blocks a kick from Edge, attempts a German suplex, but Edge rolls through for a two. Edge then ducks a charge from Kurt, who is met at the apron with a strike from Kane, turning him round into an execution, allowing Edge to pick up the win. Big win. Big win. This is kind of weird because it... It really felt like this didn't need to be a tag match. No! <laughs> Booker and Kane felt really superfluous in this. Kurt and Edge, you put them together, you're always going to get a good match. And yes. they are going to have a, a, a another one-on-one uh, one match very soon. And it's right. very, very good. So that's just, obviously what they were building up sure. to at this point. But and not I, that like, Kane and Booker like you know shouldn't be in a match. But no, of course. Kane, Kane and Booker are not on the next pay-per-view. It's not like they're booking to Kane versus, no. Kane versus Booker. Like, it doesn't lead there. So Th it's like, This is kind of like drawing a line under their match the night before. Cause it was just to have somebody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because Booker faced Edge right. and Kurt faced Kane. And now sure. You'd think, uh, I see, I see. You'd think, they, you'd think they'd maybe switch dance partners, but no. Right, no. Well, kind of, <laughs> except not all. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, hmm, actually, let's have a really good match. Uh, Kane, fuck off. Yeah. <laughs> I, I do like Kane at this time, though. It's not me saying Kane can't awesome. wrestle. He's great. So, the next match on the card. Did, was there anything between these matches? I forget. There was, I, no, it was not. It was it sure. goes right to uh, Maven versus Al Snow, mm. which is... Uh, is, this, <laughs> is, is this for a title? This is for Maven's WWF Hardcore Championship. Okay, and did he come out with it? Yes. Okay, um, I must have I fucking have, blinked. I have in my notes... I, Yes. That it is looking very unwell at this point. Okay, Cause, sure. Because you got to bear in mind, um, for those of you that have not seen the Hardcore Championship, it is broken by design. It is yes. Like, it's a smashed up WWF championship. Like it's Wing not, Eagle. Yeah. It's not the actual original real one. That That is apocryphal. That's not true. Right. But it's... 
the the lore of it was it's the belt that Mr. Perfect smashed up. Right. And it's held Which together. Which is cool with, as fuck. Yeah. It's held together with duct tape. It looks yes. like shit. It was like it was introduced as a joke. Like yes, and you could, the, you the whole point it. was like Vince yes. McMahon was like, Oh, mankind, you're never gonna win the the world championship. Here, have this shitty hardcore belt. And mankind was like, Oh, thank you very much, Daddy. <laughs> Thanks, thanks, Bob. So it is a shitty belt that they shoot treated like shit. (laughs) Because this thing gets fucked forever. Maven throws it to the floor during his entrance. And it looks like the metal bends. Mm. He throws it that hard. Like, this belt is going to have so much abuse done to it that towards the end of its life... They literally physically cannot use the belt itself no. because they've actually fucking broken it. <laughs> they also, this is where they say Casual GTX presents backlash. backlash. Hell yeah. So, that, yeah, this is, this is sort of the, uh, the revelation of uh, what the next pay per view will be. Because mm. uh, back, back in the day, we didn't have WWE.com given as a full pay per view calendar 12 months in advance. No, I don't think they did, did they? But I, I, so, I think we assumed it was backlash because it that was, it was generally going to be backlash, yes. yeah. Yes. Uh, because that is where the, the backlash for the previous month's event. Now it's takes WrestleMania place. backlash. WrestleMania which, backlash. Because, they they kind of leaned into it. Because you're an idiot and you don't understand yeah. what backlash means. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, spell it out for you, stupid fans. You stupid. You stupid. <laughs> illiterate sons of bitches. <laughs> so I, I have actually gone. Sort of blow by blow with this one because of what happens. Okay. <laughs> this, I mean, this is if you're gonna do that for any of these, this, this I one. also did that, so I'm with you. <laughs> so before the match starts, before you even get into the ring, Maven lifts up the ring skirt, uh, retrieves some weapons from under the ring, throwing out two trash cans and their lids. Because mm. if you're gonna have some bins anywhere, might as well be sure. under the ring, of course. Yes. Um, Al meets him uh, at ringside. Uh, just smacks away at him. The match, obviously being under hardcore rules, begins because you don't need to be in the ring. The ma- you know you can you the twenty four seven rule means sure. you could pin Maven anyway, so they just ring the bell and it starts. He clotheslines the dog shit out of him on this fucking <laughs> intro too, just... and you can see when he's coming down the ramp, he has this look on his face like I trained you and I'm gonna fuck you up and I can get away with it. <laughs> Because he close you're gonna, the you're gonna take this and you're gonna yeah. like it. And then he like hits him in the back like six times, just <laughs> fucking, just fucking annihilating him with, it. and he throws him into the stairs. He's just whooping his ass. I just want to point out as we're, as we're covering this, in I, I I assume in real life, but certainly in the storyline, Alan Maven are friends. I thought so too. That's what I figured, right? Because <laughs> I, I trained him. Oh fuck! Yeah. <laughs> So he throws him into the steps, slaps the fuck out of him in front of the fans at ringside. Yes. Uh, Maven fights back, uh, reversing an Irish whip, nails a beautiful dropkick. Big drop. On the floor, a big dropkick. Yeah, Maven's dropkicks, good fucking dropkicks. I think, like, top rope dropkick was, like, the closest thing he got to a finisher for a long while. That and and the deadly roll-up. He ends up doing something else, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, he doesn't have a, like an established finisher for us. What's his finisher in the game? I have no goddamn. Was idea. it like a DD? It was probably like a DDT or something. Probably right? DDT six. According to Pro Wrestling Fandom, it was the Halo DDT, which is a top rope spike DDT. I don't remember that at all. What? No Missile way. drop kick and implosion, yep. which was a double knee backbreaker. 
Was that a lung blower? Lung blower by the sounds of it. Okay, yeah, he... fair enough. I don't remember that. Either. That doesn't say. I I can I can visualize Maven throwing seven thousand missile drop, drop kicks. kicks. Sure, lung yes. blower. Mm, not not is, not seeing as many of those. It's funny that this is when you're starting this because Maven, I believe, is uh, not. I don't know if it's active entirely, but he is back wrestling now. Yes. Yeah. He is. He is uh, back in the ring after a long, long absence. Mm. What? I can't quite remember the time frame because I know he showed up at um, he showed up at the the Royal Rumble where he dumped Taker out and Taker was sure. like, "You will now die for your transgression." Yes, <laughs> and that yes. ruled. Sure, I, and he, I yes, know. They, obvi- obviously, that led and to they, the match they run where... that spot back the year after too. Sure, but like I, he, he sat out most of the invasion, I think. But the the thing with Maven yeah. is like, and obviously you you'll know this because you've recently watched Tough Enough yourself. I, did. I think Maven was. He was enough of a natural that you could put him in simple matches like this and it not be a problem. And it keeps people, him fresh in people's minds. Yes. People wanted to like Maven just because oh, he gotcha. seemed like a good fucking dude. Yeah. You know? So Al ducks a trash can lid shot and uh, he discards weaponry in favor of using his hands. Um, they get back in the ring. Maven surprises Al with uh, a series of shots from the lid. Uh, Al trips him with a drop toehold and returns the favor with. Some lid shots of his own. Al shouts at Maven to stay, stay down. <laughs> they are hitting each other pretty fucking hard with this. And yeah, I really feel are. like Al, I don't know how much of that was him just saying that or if he, me- he was saying, hey, stop fucking getting up, bitch. <laughs> I, I do kind of wonder, because obviously Al, Al Snow by this point has done a lot of hardcore matches for yes. in, in this, sure. this style. He was one of the, the big names in the hardcore division. In sure, the him and Hardcore Holly and Billy Gunn. And crash. Them, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Crash, sure. Um... So I kind of get the feeling. I don't know. Maybe I was like, maybe not Billy Gunn. <laughs> <what I> mean. <laughs> maybe I was like, trash can lid shots always look like shit. Let's just actually wail on one another. With yeah, them. it makes a good fucking sound. Yeah, because you can you can tell that they're not real trash cans because they always crumble. Sure. They're obviously yeah. like uh, aluminium or aluminium, depending aluminium. on your flavor. Aluminium. <laughs> Holy fuck! So shit. many extra letters. Um, <laughs> so I don't know. Maybe I was like, let's just beat the fuck out of one another. Right. You know, it's not going to hurt that much. Yeah. Suddenly, Spike Dudley hits the ring and tells Al to stop by cunting him in the head with a stop sign. <laughs> um, so this t- is still 24-7 rules? Yes, we're under the 24-7 okay. rule, which means that Spike can inject himself into the match as long as he has found a referee of his own okay. to make it official. Or I think sure. I think maybe if the ma- if it's an ongoing match, that doesn't always apply, that like, the active ref can just okay. count. Right. Uh, but either way, Spike is in the match now. <laughs> right. Yes, he is. Um, so it's all legal. Uh, Spike turns his attention to Maven. Very and quickly, things change. It happens, my yes. God. Wow. So Maven dumps Spike to the outside, and a mountain of walking muscle hits Jesus. the ring and gives Al a spine buster into a trash can. JR, fucking hell. Oh my God, he fucking manhandles him. He brutalizes him. JR identifies this man as the hottest free agent, Brock Lesnar. Interesting. Uh, yeah, I think is a slightly fucked up word in there. <laughs> but um, I get what he's going for. And I, know, I, like, I, I, I know what he for... means, but I, it yes. was probably like caught up in the emotion the moment yeah. tripped over his tongue, whatever. Um, so anyway, Lesnar hoists Maven onto his shoulders in a fireman's carry position, and then in one swift motion, 
hurls him in the air, spins him round, drops him face first to the canvas with what I would describe as the force of an F5 tornado. <laughs> well, I don't think they did just yet. but you No, they, they, that, that goes unnamed for a while. But suffice to say, that is one of the best finishes in wrestling history. In my opinion, the F5. It's fucking amazing. It's beautiful. It looks like it'd kill you. God, it's fucking... And you could hear the crowd go, oh. <laughs> like, yeah, that, that it's was not like anything sweet. they've seen before, either. Yeah, no. It it's not awesome. like... They, they were like, okay... We're gonna we're gonna debut Brock. Do we give him a suplex? Do we give him a DDT? Right. No, we're gonna give him something unique, and it's gonna murder and it's people. Awesome, man! Like this is cool as fuck. Heyman and, is at ringside cheering him on. They try not to really shoot him just yet. I don't believe. Yeah, it's al- almost him, as, almost as if Heyman's not meant to be there. Like, because yes. technically in storyline he's been fired. Right. So obviously it comes to light. Yeah, it'll come to light in, in coming episodes. He is here with a you know as a working relationship with. Brock yes. Lesnar, so he's not technically employed by the company, which is why right. they don't immediately draw attention to which it. Which is good. Yeah. But JR and King do eventually sort of acknowledge it. Well, because then... he gets in the ring. You can't really fucking ignore him for too long. Sure, yeah. <laughs> then... This is Oh my up, god. Oh, this is the, crazy. the coolest shit happens. Spike leaps off the turnbuckle towards Lesnar with a cane. Yes. And Lesnar just shrugs it off like a drop of rainwater landed on Breaks him. it over his head, and Brock just stares at him and annihilates him with a clothesline. Oh, By the way, he there's like... the fuck out of him with his clothesline, dude. There, there's like four or five moves here that end up in fucking shut your mouth. <laughs> just like, just from this <laughs> one spot. Yeah. Um. So he throws Holy. Spike onto his own shoulders as he, if he weighs he grips, nothing. He, Spike thought he's laying underneath him. Brock is standing... Brock double goozles him, deadlifts him up by his throat into a fucking powerbomb position. Spike tries to give a Rana to Brock. That's mm. not happening. Brock <laughs> hoist- I've got it. Lesnar refuses to allow this. <laughs> Brock lifts him back up and gives him one of the nastiest powerbombs of all time. And Spike dies. <laughs> and he then grips Brock follows him- it up with two more. It does another one. <laughs> Kills him. Holy Spike fuck. is fucking dead at this point. This you, has to be like one if, of the if, best debuts if, if for someone like said, dude, If someone said right? to me afterwards, yeah, actually, Spike died of internal injuries after this. I would yes. believe them. Yes, absolutely. Um, uh, fucking hell. Like, this, uh... Spike, Spike Dudley, ladies and gentlemen, has... He's a, he is a good wrestler, he's a capable wrestler, he's a talented wrestler. Love Spike but Dudley. his number one talent above all else he's getting is his ass taking kicked. a fucking beating and making yes. his opponent look like a million bucks. Yes. They couldn't have picked anyone better to have Brock kick the shit out of than Spike. It was he looks perfect. like a killer. It's so good. This uh, is this has to be one of the best debuts for like an unknown guy. 100 ever, right? million percent. Yeah, like because it made him immediately. Uh, like, the fans immediately know that they're seeing something special here. They're going fucking ballistic watching this. The match is written off as a no contest. And what I think is really interesting from kind of a, a creative They could have gave Brock the belt there. I didn't even think Bro- of that. Brock does not even contemplate. No, he doesn't give a belt. fuck. And, and, like, that's the beauty of Brock Lesnar's character and kind of Brock Lesnar the person as well. If it's, yeah. not, if it's not a world title, not fucking interested, mate. Brock never, ever, ever has a belt that is below world title. That's interesting. I, you know, I didn't even think of that. He doesn't. Does, he doesn't get an IC run or anything, does he? No. Oh wow. And yet he's. Yeah. He, it doesn't delegitimize him in any way for not wow. winning the belt. I don't know. Like he. He uh, like. You think he looks like a murderer here? Hey, how would you like another six months of this? Yes, Jesus please. God, yeah. It it only gets better too. Mm. 
So in a matter of seconds, three men lay in a broken heap on the ground. Die. And an icon is born. Yeah. So Brock Lesnar then, guys, is one of the greatest names of the Ruthless Aggression era. And I think the fans may have been apprehensive when they, you know, when they first saw him because... Vince McMahon has a propensity, shall we say, for muscular big men that yeah. didn't always pay off with in-ring skill. But Brock is a one-of-a-kind talent. There, there oh my god. There has yeah. never been another one like him before. No. There will probably never be another one like him again in our lifetime. I, I can't... I, I, I mean, I can't... In WWE, at least, I can't see them putting that much stock into somebody that... Oh my god, quickly. no way. So, Brock is a former... Probably because of him, too, by the way. Oh, yeah, absolutely, his own fucking fault. Brock's a former NCAA collegiate wrestling, so he already has the skills, much sure. like Kurt Angle did before him, to transition that into pro wrestling. He's very yes. good in the ring. Um, but it's kind of unheard of for someone who's done amateur wrestling to then transition to pro and also have other kind of skill sets in the ring. But sure. Brock's... Brock's a powerhouse as well as a technician. Yes. And like his, I think in particularly in, well, I was going to say particularly to begin with, but even now, his frankly frightening strength is freaky. Blistering speed for a man touching 300 pounds of pure muscle. Yeah. It, it makes him one of a kind. It makes him completely unique. He's amazing. And I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, again, cards on the table. I think his original two-year run that we are going to be covering here is one of the best runs that any it's, wrestler has had in yes. any company it's, ever. And it's all money. Oh my god, yeah. There, there's not a single point. Until the night he leaves, there is not a single point that I would say is bad. Unfortunately, no. that night is dog shit, but that everything is like the leading worst up of to... Nights, yes. Oh my god, it's terrible. But everything up to then, in fucking credible. Yes. I think this is I'm going to say this is top two best rookie year of any wrestler in WWE history Easily. possibly in wrestling history Easily. and frankly the only one that I think you could say is a contender for that top spot in that very small top two list is Kurt Angle Sure I don't Kurt's know... pretty quick has a pretty quick rise. Kurt's too. ascension was amazing but Kurt's was different because He Kurt's... goes through the ranks though. Yeah, Kurt won like pretty much every everything belt. yeah and so yeah. His, his his rookie year was amazing for a different reason but sure. brock comes in, onto the scene and his rookie year is about murdering the shit out of people yes. and Fuck, it and rules it was perfect yeah it was perfect i think his debuts go you couldn't ask for a better one to set no. up what a fucking monster and they put him right with Heyman, and they're shitting on Heyman on coming what are you doing here motherfucker oh Heyman's incredible as well i i yeah. again Heyman's gonna be a guy that we talk about a lot on this show sure and like he's got he's got a brilliant genius mind for the business as well and i think pairing him with brock is inspired because he, like even now to this day and you know brock has times have moved on brock has done many a promo himself right but brock is still in spite of what a mountain of a man he is this chiseled fucking beast mm. he's still very softly spoken sure so particularly he's good, i mean but i think i, I think they could have got him there but he didn't need oh, it oh yeah He's like, I think now that we know that Brock Lesnar's like a threat, it doesn't yes. matter. He can he can be softly spoken, and it's sure. like, it kind of makes him scarier. But I think you know they in introducing him back in two thousand two, having Paul Heyman be this absolute heat magnet for it. Yes, 
I think that was 100% the right choice. I think so, too. So, yeah. Heyman rules. Love Heyman. Yes. Now we get a shit ton of Heyman promos for the next several months. <laughs> Hooray! <laughs> I'm on board. I'm invested. So, yeah. What a fucking segment. Brock <laughs> murdered the shit out of Spike Dudley. Yeah. God. Amazing. I tell you what, like, if the fans were... If the fans were at all kind of not into the show because of all the lengthy promos. I mean, this was exciting as this fuck. This woke them the fuck yeah, up, I can I tell you. Yeah, I think so, too. So, um, we go to the ad break, and we get a, a recap of what just happened. They were like, hey, maybe maybe you stepped out to brew some coffee during <laughs> the last couple of minutes. Did you know that a drive-by just occurred? They also um, do an advertisement for Rock and Hogan versus Hall and Nash. Uh, the renders for it are kind of fucking weird looking. Um, <laughs> I don't know what was going on there, but then they also recap the Rock Hogan segment from earlier. Yes. So, suffice to say, um, all eyes are on Brock, and his free agent status is going to be important as the draft comes up in the next week or so. Yes. yes, um, yes. King and... JR are concerned at the reappearance of Paul Heyman because, in character, neither of them like him. <laughs> yeah, like, no, not in, at all. In, ter- in yeah. terms of character, uh, Heyman my- is the guy that took King's job, effectively. Lawler, yeah, Lawler says one of the happiest moments of my life was seeing Paul Heyman walk yeah. out as I was walking in. And JR, of course, spent most of the previous year being irritated by Heyman, which, by the way, one of the best commentary pairings ever. Oh my god. Like I, I, I mean, that Heyman, Heyman I, I said mean, in one sure of his I, yes. in one of his interviews, Heyman said the way you get Jr's best work from him is to is fuck to with him, piss him off <laughs> yeah, so yeah. much. And what oh my god, team. they are! I wish we got more of it. together. Yeah, it's, it's not a, a, it's not too long, right? Is it a year? If that we get like maybe, less even? than a year. Yeah, because yeah, obviously Lola came back the night after Survivor Series when the invasion ended. Yes, yes. Um. So yeah, it's it's oh, it's a beautiful, it sweet spot. It's oh, yeah. it's good, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> yeah. Um. So yeah, we get we get a recap of the opening segment, and King says the Rock and Hogan teaming up will be a magic moment. I agree. Which sounds a little bit fed to him. Like <laughs> I'd be forced it's, to say. It's not as magic as you would think it would be because the match is fucking whatever. But, <laughs> it's it's kind of turd. Oh, but then backstage we have a delightful little segment. <laughs> yeah, what is this? So Matt Hardy and Lita are locked in a very different kind of hold. The devastating modified wet lip lock with <laughs> William fucking Regal, my boy, walks in on this sweet heartwarming display. And he witheringly says the affection between the two lovers is enchanting. It, the, um, it does the soul such wonders to see two young people in love. <laughs> and then Matt says, Matt's don't be angry. Yeah, what? Matt says, don't be angry because you aren't getting any. And <laughs> then Lita. wrong here. <laughs> Lita slaps Regal on the chest and says, ooh, tag. What? Yeah, <laughs> I don't, I don't really that know that. This is one of those like. I feel like the Hardy Boys at this point, kind of their their gimmick was, we are cool. And I feel like Lita yeah, was I'm... trying to use, like, cool kid lingo, but just came across as a dork. I'm very confused, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Lita's like, she's having a, she's having the time of her life. They're picking on an Englishman. And then Regal points out, mm, actually, because of the draft, the three of you could get split up. Get shit on. <laughs> <laughs> so that, like, it dawns on their face, and Regal's just <laughs> delighted to have ruined someone's day, and he just goes... Ta-ta! And walks off. <laughs> I fucking 
love William Regal so much. What a fucking asshole. I loved it. But yeah, yeah, you're right. Matt was definitely just a dick here for no reason. Matt was 100% in the wrong. I guess Regal probably has been an asshole to them. I, I'm sure that was also a thing. Sure. But, you know, whatever. <laughs> so, yeah, we got, we got a tag title match. And I'd like to, um, just before we start, I just want to say... <laughs> so I just, I just needed to to get that out of my system as the Dudleys make their way to the ring. No particular yes. reason, none at all, none whatsoever. Oh, Stacy is uh... shit. so yeah. Stacy Keebler is the valet for the Dudley Boys, Bubba and Devon. They're taking on with the tag team championships on the line. The reigning defending champions. Billy and Chuck. They don't even have a cool name. In it's the yellow. Billy and Chuck. Yeah. Yes, no. Mustard yellow with pink highlights. <laughs> I think, that was, I think it was in the games, right? I think so, yeah. Um, it's As not long before they get better gear. Though, sure, yeah, they're, um, yes. Bubba almost kicks Stacy in the back of the head as they get into the <laughs> ring. So, I did write that down, nice. too. <laughs> um, now, this match serves a very specific purpose. It's, I mean, just to, for the thing after the match itself, they didn't yes. really do much. Billy bumps and feeds for Bubba. Does a backdrop. They do the was up uh, to Chuck. Uh, the crowd um, is I, doing the uh, hey, Stacy, yeah. which I didn't realize was a thing that they were doing yet. Oh yeah. See, <laughs> this, like, oh, okay. this is this is the thing, and this is why the match happens because Jr. says on commentary neither of the teams are fan favorites, so the the fans should be booing the shit out of everyone. Yes, but. Stacy is there, so the fans they are love happy. Stacey. They love yes. her. She's the most beautiful woman on the face of the planet. You she, cannot uh, convince me otherwise at this point in history. She gets up on the apron uh, and shows Billy her ass, but Billy does not care. <laughs> Billy does not Billy's care. Too busy, Billy's too busy trying to do the one and only, and he hits it. Uh, <laughs> Bi- Billy, he- the former ass man, has decided he is not interested in Stacy. No ass. longer for the ass. I, dude, <laughs> Stacy's reaction to this, she looks offended she was so to her oh. core. Oh, so funny. You. Yes, I agree. Um, so he goes for the Famouser. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if he, he does he hit it. I think he does hit it. I think he hits mm. Devon with the Famouser, and then Stacy gets Stacey, in the ring oh, and th- hits Billy in the with, back with, with the tag the, team with, title with the tag belt. Yeah. Yes. Um. So the Dudleys he, hit the 3D, which incidentally, if you see the 3D hit in a match, it is going it. to be the end of the match. That's I, it. You can yeah. count on one hand the number of times someone is kicked out of that. Right. One of which was a botch. Yeah. <laughs> so fucking hilarious. Um. So yeah. I love the referee. Like he looks insulted that they would even try continuing the match. <laughs> yeah, Stacy was like you right doing, in front man? of him. He's like, yeah. "Are you fucking serious?" <laughs> it even um, took him a minute to ring the bell because yeah. I thought he was like, "It's obvious. You better just ring this." So, you know, the disqualification when Bubba is in. Oh boy, di- he's in disbelief, they and Stacy realizes she's fucked up, and boy has she ever. So, she tries to walk away, but Bubba oh yeah, they're, they're not even any of get that. Get back here. Bubba yeah, pulls her back by her hair. Yes, um, that's the second time. She goes to leave a second time. Bubba grabs her hair, mm. smacks Devon in the chest, and says, Devon, get the tables. Oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> like, fuck. The look on Stacy's face, she's realized that like sh- she has signed her own death warrant, and yes. the gallows are being constructed in front of her. That's the look on her face. Devon oh my God, does get the tables. Mm-hmm. And- he sure does. <laughs> Stacy gets loaded up in the power bomb on the top and... from the top turnbuckle, dude. Fucking Sit down power bomb. Sorry, from yes. the second turnbuckle. From the second through the table. Through Holy the table. fucking shit! This table gets obliterated. Oh my god, Stacy, almost as dead as Spike at this point. And, yes, and like fucking again, brutal. For, again, for there may be some newcomers to the show. Just want to remind you, Stacy Keebler is very, very skinny. 
So oh Bubba Dudley hitting her with a sit-down powerbomb through a table yes. looks like he's just committed a murder. <laughs> it's brutal. Stacy yeah. Stacy takes this like a fucking champion, by the way. It's awesome. Yeah, it's a great it's a great visual. Great way um, to make the Dudleys look like fucking. It is off. it is safe to say she is no longer the Duchess of Dudleyville at this point. Ah damn. <laughs> So then we get uh, an ad break. The game! <laughs> Triple H, the undisputed WWF World Heavyweight Champion, makes his way to the ring. He's got the WWF belt around his waist. He's got the former WCW World Heavyweight belt over his shoulder. Yes. This man has all the gold, and he looks great. I He's read a jacked. thing once, and it was like, if you wanted a guy that looks like a wrestler triple h is the most wrestlery wrestler you know I-, I could see that yeah um i don't know if i necessarily agree with the sentiment 100 percent. like you know i mean but i get it though. Most, if you, if you, but i get if you, it he, he, sure if you look at him you can i could see you'd be like oh, that is long a hair you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a wrestler um so okay triple h delivers a lengthy promo and as this is the first episode of the podcast i'd like to forewarn you you can probably expect me to say some variation of that sentence yeah one or two times going forward <laughs> oh yeah, you think yeah so? just just the occasional one so triple h says that in beating jericho at wrestlemania the night before he defeated his worst opponent self-doubt ah. uh, which was brought on by his quadriceps tear 10 months ago you know he it, to be fair it's a fucking miracle that he's one walking, it, let alone yeah. two wrestling at three a main event sure. caliber. Yes. Um, but it's not all bad news, you know, it's not all gloom and doom. He's fine, and to prove that he's fine, he treats the audience to the footage of him giving his uh, in-storyline at this point, yes. wife, Stephanie, the pedigree, uh, his finishing move fucking, the night before. Yeah. Recap of Mania 18, Stephanie shoves Earl, turns around, and Triple H greets her with a fucking pedigree. That Stephanie Blue gear is, like, legendary to me. Yes. I don't know how many games that's in, but that's, like, an all-timer I uh, I think, as well, this is probably one of those things where... like I, I can't... I imagine Triple H was probably, like... Because they weren't married in real life, but they were in a relationship... So yeah. he was probably like, right, I need to take care of you and not smash your face. Sure, yeah. But, Which I'm sure, imagine... but I'm sure he did that to everyone. Yeah, sure. you know? I'm sure he, yeah, but, but like I'm double sure... safe for was... Steph. Yeah. But at the same time, I imagine Stephanie probably has that streak like her dad to be like, just fucking do it. You're gonna fucking yeah. nail me with yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> um, so Steph comes out and interrupts the, the moment and she... She's wearing a fucking medical neck collar. Gigantic black neck brace. (laughs) And she's like, clearly clearly just for sympathy points. I wonder where she learned that trick. (laughs) So the fans greet Stephanie very kindly by chanting slut at her. She hasn't done anything. (laughs) (laughs) She hasn't done anything wrong. She's not dating Jericho. She's not fucking anybody here, man. (laughs) Slut, slut. What the fuck? She's coming out to My Time, which is a kick-ass song. It is. Um, Steph doesn't see the funny side of Triple H's video, um, and she gives him the news that Jericho doesn't want to wait out the limit of his rematch clause, and he wants to challenge Triple H for the WWF Championship next week on Raw, ah. and Stephanie, because she's wearing this fucking collar, she is really struggling to get this promo out, because it's obviously <laughs> choking her. So- At some point, she starts sounding like Rita Repulsa. <laughs> <laughs> Steph's got a high-pitched voice anyway, and this is making her fucking scream. Yeah. Um, So, Triple H 
the, like this is this is kind of clever and in character for Triple H because you know he's the cerebral assassin. He says he's not afraid of you know he's not scared. He appeals to Steph's penchant for putting wrestlers mm. in sadistic matches. So he's playing Stephanie, and he suggests it should be a handicap match, and she's like, "Well, of course." Yes, yeah, so Chris um, Jericho and another WWF superstar yeah. next Monday night for the undisputed title. Yeah, Jericho wants you know he doesn't want to wait for his rematch. So Triple H, oh, why you know, a handicap match? Yeah. And then the smile drops off her face when he names the <laughs> other super, uh, superstar in the match as her. Yes. So he also stipulates that if he beats Stephanie, she will leave the World Wrestling Federation. Yes. He, Stephanie says, I refuse to get in the ring with you. And besides, listen to these people. They sing for me. <laughs> they're singing na-na-na-na. Is what they're singing. <laughs> like, you don't want to deprive the WWE like fans of me. She's deluded. She just ignores. She's tremendous here. Oh, my God. She's so good, dude. He's like running her down. He says that she. He, he runs her down. He runs her attitude down. And her whiny voice. Yes, it's, um, it's definitely as a Rita Repulsa style here. And then Triple oh, H says, uh, and she, "How many people here want to see Stephanie McMahon stay in the WWF?" A boo. <laughs> How many people want to see her leave? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like her facials at this point are—they're sad. She's like money. she's actually heartbroken, but at the same yeah. time. Oh my god, it's funny as absolute it's so fuck, good. dude. Yeah. So, she, <laughs> she fucking... <laughs> and I, I know we were saying this promo goes on for a long while, but Steph is so it is funny. Long it, one, it, but does, it is good. I, like, she's better than Triple H in this bit. Yeah. Um, so she like she says that she refuses to get in the ring with him after what he did to her at WrestleMania, and she starts yes. screeching and getting really animated, and she tw- <laughs> she tweaks her neck and then like gives her this little she goes ow, <laughs> it's so good, that's so good. Um, so like, it's it's somehow somehow quite adorable for this completely insane evil woman. <laughs> Yes. So, she does agree, though. To She agrees to the yes, match. Yes, she does. If you pin me, I will leave the WWF. And Triple H says, I hope you have a matching neck brace for every outfit you have. Because <laughs> you're going to need one. I'm going to remain the champion. And I'll make you leave the WWF one more time. And one more time, you get a chance to play the game. And this time, if you lose, game over. Mm. Oh, shit. Oh, shit. And Triple H, also in this promo, drops his other famous catchphrase. And quite frankly... <laughs> Okay, I I don't want to sort of spoil it too much. No, you're gonna get there. You might over not want the to. course of the next week. Oh, this yes. match is recapped and mentioned a couple of times, and they end up fucking it up so badly. The explanation of how it works, they have to explain on fucking uh, metal and heat what the rules are because they've overcomplicated <laughs> it. Yeah. So it's like if Jericho pins Triple H, he is the champion. If Stephanie pins Triple H, she is the champion. Right, yes. Like, that's not actually adequately kind of made clear, because, like... They don't say that here. No, no. They, ki- they kind of... They kind of imply, I think, on on a couple of points, like, that she could win the belt for Jericho, and it's they right. realise, oh shit, we have to explain, no, 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 Stephanie would, in that situation, be the champion. Wh- which which is... you know, even to the most, like, non-clued-in fan, you know that's not gonna happen. But it could But it could <laughs> <laughs> But then on, on SmackDown, like, it kind of, like, Steph- Stephanie says to, like, she kind of gets over to Jericho, like, 
don't even fucking think of stopping pinning me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So, like, Jericho realizes he's fucked, basically. <laughs> That's great. Everybody wants a title now. Yeah. So, like, like, the other thing is, well, like, Triple H has to pin her to get her to leave the company. He can't pin Jericho. Right. Which means that we've got two storylines in one match and someone's going to get left out in the cold. I yeah. bet you can't guess who it's going to be that ends up looking <laughs> like a dickhead at the end of this one. Um... But yeah, no, I this did go on for way too long, but yes. Stephanie had me rolling, I'm not going to lie. Yeah, I, I gotta say, I can't imagine it was an easy conversation, whether it happened on this night or at some point prior to this, for someone to go up to Stephanie and say, look, you've got a whiny, screechy voice. You are annoying <laughs> as hell! <laughs> but she, I mean, she leaned into it, so I oh, guess she like knew, When, when she I mean. leans into it, it's one of yeah. the funniest heel performances you are yes. ever gonna get. So... Main event time, ladies and gentlemen. Are you excited? We made it. We, we made it. it. I, for the three-minute main event. <laughs> <laughs> We've got, representing the NWO as its only two remaining members, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash, taking on the dream team of The Rock and Hulk Hogan. God, what a magic wow. moment. Unbelievable. So, so amazing that Hall and Nash don't even get a full entrance. Mm, yeah, Hall and Nash get jobber entrance. So, yeah, yeah th this show is this had to have been condensed to fuck. I think so. I think the, the opening up. promo I mean, and the, I mean, the one with Triple H and the, yeah. and Flair and Vince, they must have lost a good ten minutes between those. I three. think so. At least with the opener, at least sure. right. Like yeah. So in a nice little surprise for the fans, Hogan comes out to the ring, not in the not to the NWO theme, but to the tune of Voodoo Child by Jimi ah, Hendrix with some yellow we, ring lighting. Oh, he, he yeah. did in 2002 because <laughs> unfortunately, Voodoo Child costs a lot of fucking money to use. And if you watch it yeah. on the network or Peacock, you're gonna get a sound alike, and it's not. It it takes so much out of the moment because that's an amazing theme, and every time it hits, the crowd are like, yeah, but like the are replacement they... is kind of wet. Are they holding him wearing red and yellow again for the like post draft or what? Uh, he he I, comes out here in NWO gear still. I believe he shows up on SmackDown in the red and yellow. Okay, he, fair he, he, which I is fine. I guess that if makes sense. if I remember right, he didn't actually have the red and yellow on oh. him. Like uh, Bruce Pritchard told this story on his podcast, and he yeah. was like, "We need." we need your red and yellow gear, and Hogan's like, I don't have it. So... <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> because, because, like, in fairness, from Hogan's perspective, he wouldn't expect that he'd need it. Yeah, so exactly. They, what they had to do, they had to charter a flight to get Hogan back to his home, pick up his gear, put it in a suitcase, and come immediately back on wow. the road. Oh, I think I do remember this, actually. So, th this was not a thing they had planned. They had yeah. to change a lot of storylines, okay. and they realized the fans were not going to boo Hulk Hogan at this point anymore. No way, yeah, And also, yeah. also, there was a lot of money to be made, so Absolutely. they were like, hmm, let's do that, let's make money. Yeah, get your gear and put on all that <laughs> yellow bullshit again. And also, it's um, again not to get too far ahead of ourselves. It's my favorite Hogan gear, the yeah, the red yellow tie dye. It looks yes. great. It's better than the classic awesome. trunks. Um, like I like heel. It's a good combo. Hogan. You know his NWO gear with the the lightning bolts on it. That's cool. But for sure. red and yellow Hulk, it is best Hulk. I think. Yeah, I think so too. So. Uh, not too much here. Not, not too much lot. to write about I, it, here. It's like. What we get is pretty fine. The Rock, like I said earlier, he's kind of... He hits a rock of, bottom on Nash. Yeah, which is cool. I. It's weird because, the, again, The Rock is being second fiddle. He's basically yeah. the babyface in peril for most of the match. Right. 
because it's obviously it's just for the Hogan tag. Yeah. Yeah. Ho- I I gotta say Hogan looks as though he time travels from his prime. He, I think it's like the fans he's reinvigorated him. He is. Yeah. Moving. He was. He was. He was. Yeah. 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 Um. So. Closing moments of the match then. Where Holy Hogan fuck. Hogan gets all on his back. Uh, the Rock, absolutely, there's a mile between his hand and Kevin Nash's face when he throws the, the punch. <laughs> yeah, it gets absolutely. Nash out of the ring. Do you want to point out to the listeners what Holy. you pointed out to me? Because I didn't even realize. So Hogan, Scott Hall is in the ring. He's set up for the infamous Hulk Hogan leg drop. And he's got him there. Hogan walks forward, does a little, you know, revs up for it, leaps up, and I don't know if Hogan, I don't know if it was just mispositioned or if he was like hurt on one side, mm. but Hulk Hogan hits it Kofi Kingston boom drop style <laughs> where he <laughs> drops both of, it was a double leg drop <laughs> to Scott Hall too, here too, which would surely, and the match Hogan usually does one, two leg drops <laughs> two here. Two leg drops, are you kidding me? From Hogan. <laughs> and he covers them, but Nash pulls Scott Hall out of the ring. And that is the end of the match because they get yeah. counted out. They, 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 they take the count out. So the fans are going fucking insane at this point. Yeah, boo, which, which again, you. like, kind of leads into my theory. They probably had Jericho come back and do a match at some yeah, point. Yeah, probably. Because otherwise, why would you have Jericho in the building? Why, sure. why would you even have him turn up? Yeah, exactly. So, JR and King, they state that the issue is far from over. As the show goes off the air, we bring to a wrap... Monday night. Yes. Oh, and that was it that. Is, it is over. Uh, what did you not, think to it? Ah, man. Uh, for a post WrestleMania Raw, mm. this was, I mean, they, they obviously they're, you know, going somewhere. The Hogan thing is cool. Like, obviously, having Rock and Hogan tag is exciting. Um, mm. uh, they got to put over the brand. It really felt like a show that was just. Which I guess isn't the worst thing. It was a show to try to get you to watch the next week's show. Yeah, very but much it, an, an advertisement for the next one. But if if I was just watching WrestleMania and I was like, oh, let me see what I can get on Raw. Like if I wasn't really a fan. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if this if this one would have kept me. You know? No, I, because the draft is like the major storyline for the next week or so. That clearly appeals more to longtime fans, like who would appreciate the the ramifications of that. Right. Whereas if someone was like, "Oh, hey, Hulk Hogan's back, and he's he's a good guy again. It's awesome. Yeah. You ought to watch this." And like, if you tuned in, you'd be like, "There's exciting eh. stuff going on," but this didn't feel too. There a lot of talking, man. A lot. A lot, a lot of, of talking. I don't. I can't imagine. I don't even know if there's more than like. I don't even know if there's a half hour of wrestling on the show. I would now, say not if that there every is, it's show a maximum. Yeah, if I don't, not every show obviously needs like an hour of wrestling, but like this was, if you're going to talk for long periods of time and not do a ton of like segments that are different, it's like this is a drag to get through. Yeah. I think, I think what we got in the matches was good. There was no point where I was watching a match and I was like, well, this sucks. These guys are yeah. awful. Like what we got was good, but we had. Christian and RVD working a very quick match. We had Trish and Lita absolutely rushing through their match. Yeah, for the, sure. The tag, a, a the tag, tag match was... was okay, but it, yeah. it, it kind of felt like nothing. And again, like we said, Booker and Kane, why were they there, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't the, even know. Like, the main event was, it was what it was. It was more storyline than match. The tag team championship match, that was cool for what happened after the match. Sure. I think the only one that starts to finish served a major purpose was the hardcore title match because of Brock showing up and murdering the dog shit out of people. 
Yes, that's fucking fair. Yes. Had it not been for that, I think uh, probably this one would have. Been I'm looking there. at it here. Uh, RVD and Christian goes two forty four. Lita and Trish go one thirty one. That's ridiculous. The tag match goes three forty nine. Oh my god. Uh, Maven and Al Snow says no contest. It doesn't have a time here, sure. so I don't know if that uh that probably couldn't have been more than three. Uh. The tag title match goes one twenty four, and the main goes six minutes. So That's insane, and nothing happened. Very much in those less six than a half hour. Minutes. No, man, very much less than a half hour for wrestling on this. It's a show of setup for yeah. the next week, and that's fine sometimes. But sure, I don't know. I feel honestly, next week is a big week, though. Next week is a tremendous week, but again, unfortunately. Not a lot of wrestling. Not a lot of wrestling because it's yeah. it has to be storyline focused, right? Um, but um, yeah, like I say, none of the matches suck. None of it was. No, it was just it was just kind of okay. It was okay. It, I th- I think the, the most honestly, I would be tempted to say out of the the three big promos, I would be tempted to say Trim, Vince, and Flair the most. Sure. Because yeah. you could have gotten I mean, the Hogan that over one, the crowd, in a couple of minutes. The crowd, yeah, sure. Yeah, I, I, I'll i forgive the Hogan one because the crowd wanted yeah, the that, crowd so that's whatever. Yeah. The Triple H one, uh, kind of meandering, but Stephanie kind of made up for it. But Vince and sure. Flair was just two old dickheads yeah. shouting at one another for most yeah. of it. So I'd have chopped a couple of minutes off of that and getting, you know, given a couple of minutes longer to at least yeah. one of the matches. I mean, probably right. the women. My God. Like, what was that? One minute and... Oh, my God. Fuck all? Yeah. Uh, one, one and a half. Yeah. That's astonishingly bad. Yeah. But next week, you got the draft. We LT. do. And that will, of course, be covered on our second episode. Wow. That's, uh, March 25th, 2002. Mm. So that's your homework for next time. Yes. Boys and Watch girls. it. Watch it. It's all available on, you. if you're in the UK, if you're in uh, yes. the territories that still have it, it's on the WWE Network. If you are not, it's on Peacock. Uh, find it yes. yourself. I don't know what season it is. Fuck off. It's, uh, <laughs> I imagine it'll be season 10. It's season probably, 10, I guess sure. it's season 10, episode 12. I can't believe that they don't just have the show date. It's it wrestling is it not, is awkward yeah wrestling it is, is not no. a TV show like any other guys don't no. do that come on but anyway yeah you can check that or if you yes. uh, if you if you're really fond of Jimi Hendrix you could you could look for <laughs> you could look for uh, your look wrestling for elsewhere else. yeah but sure. I mean that would be that would be taking your options to the extreme ah. I'm not going to tell you what else to look I don't even for. know if that's up still Pro- probably having some oh, no, it is back up. it's back up it is back up <laughs> um so yeah but yeah hey thanks uh, for having me man dude you are so welcome i've had a good old time i it's always very love fun man i, I love talking about this you, you are, and i love talking you are about my guy guy ah i love you buddy thank you so much um, for having me. so why don't you tell these lovely listeners where they oh. can find you online mr john blood sure well uh i'll just drop the two important ones or mm-hmm. three i guess uh of course, uh, New Legacy Inc. is where myself, LT, and a bunch of our friends, mm. uh, we play wrestling games. We play video games, but mostly pro wrestling games. Uh, we stream live on twitch.tv slash New Legacy Inc. And you can find all of our stuff, for the most part, on youtube.com slash New Legacy Inc. Uh, and that's where you can find most of it, except Instagram. It's New Legacy Graham, because I got banned on there one time I posted Finley's Cock. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I did wonder. I did wonder why it was the only one that was different. Uh, also, the Deadlock Podcast, where myself, CM Paul and Tony Pizza Guy review 
AW Dynamite every week, as well as one random uh, wrestling retro show. Uh, and those are pretty fucked. Uh, you can check that out. Uh, anywhere you listen to podcasts, the Deadlock Pro Wrestling Podcast or DeadlockPW.com. And Deadlock Pro Wrestling. DeadlockPro.com is where you'll find all the fun stuff there. You can get tickets there. You can see our roster. DPWOnDemand.com is where you can see uh, our pay-per-views and much, much more coming soon. And uh, DPW Fire uh, Episode 5. Uh, is coming to you very, very soon. Uh, we just wrapped up the taping for uh, Volume 2, which will uh, lead us to the next pay-per-view, DPW uh, Forever, which is April 16th. So uh, stay tuned. Tickets on sale hopefully soon, if not by the time this is already out. And uh, again, thank you, LT, for having me. This is a very, very good time. You're so, so welcome. And I have to say, again, running the risk of being called biased, uh, dpwondemand.com is very good value you're getting some excellent quality wrestling but there's if you're, a lot of shit coming if you're not if you're not completely sold i do want to say check them out on the youtube because you're yes. gonna get most of volume one on youtube and if that doesn't sell you you might be dead you should see a medic the amount of fucked up wrestling we got on YouTube is that, the, the amount of free shit we're giving away is actually uh, mm. fucked up, as uh, <laughs> especially on this next set coming up. So please check it out. So thank you very much for joining me, Mister John Blood. I love you very love much. You. Oh, and of course, don't I love forget you, buddy. You, you can find you can find Johnny on his personal Twitter account. No, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, at John Blood. Okay. Uh, B L U D. So thank you so much for joining me, Johnny. I yes. greatly appreciate it. Love you always, man. It has been a delight having you on. And you, you, get, you better get your bitch ass back on these I'll shows again in future, you son I'll of a bitch. I'll come back. I guess I'll come back. Hell yeah. I, I gotta say, to anyone that's listened all the way through this, I only swear as much of this when I'm in Johnny's company. <laughs> <laughs> I do have a bad mouth, but like, because I, I was, Fair. when I did that, that preview episode, I was like, okay, I'm going to be very professional. I'm not going to say any naughty words. <laughs> I bring I out the been, worst in everybody. <laughs> the air in here is blue. I should have right asked now. you if I could say fuck. I never even asked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll just tick the box. It makes Fair the EAPR and ITS. Fair enough. That brings us neatly to the end of the meat of the show. But we're not done yet. You see, here on Ruthless Aggression Relived, we're always keen to ensure our listeners have a rounded education on the world of the WWF. And that's why you can look forward to this next recurring segment, in which we profile some of the superstars we'll be looking at, and their history, up to the Ruthless Aggression era. If you want the rest, well, you just have to keep listening, won't you? Today, we're kicking things off with a profile dedicated to the only man we could possibly spotlight for our first episode the chairman and owner of the World Wrestling Federation, the one and only Vince McMahon. Vincent Kennedy McMahon, better known as Vince McMahon, was born on August 24, 1945. The son of Victoria and Vincent James McMahon, Vince didn't meet his father until he was 12. Instead, he was raised by his mother and stepfathers. One of these stepfathers, Leo Lupton, was physically abusive to Victoria. Vince later said of Lupton, It's unfortunate that he died before I could kill him. I would have enjoyed that. Vince McMahon is an interesting man. Famously private, Vince rarely gives interviews, so glimpses into his personal life are rare. 
Even most of what we know of him now comes from second-hand accounts, and as a result, Vince enjoys a mythical, enigmatic status in an increasingly transparent industry. Some people who've dealt with Vince will tell you he's an intimidating figure who loves using cruel tactics to get his way and to hell with whoever he steps on. Yet others will tell you that underneath it all, he's a good friend and a caring employer. It seems that everyone who meets Vince McMahon meets a different person, and that only adds to the mystery of the man. Vince would come to know his father, Vincent James McMahon, and would become interested in the family business. Vince's grandfather, Roderick James McMahon, better known as Jess McMahon, was a promoter of boxing and professional wrestling. Since 1953, Vincent J. McMahon was owner of the Capital Wrestling Corporation, the parent body of the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. The younger McMahon soon fell in love with the professional wrestling industry and wished to follow in his father's footsteps, often joining him on trips to the venue WWE considered their home, Madison Square Garden. Vince actually wished to become a wrestler, but his father forbade this, believing promoters and wrestlers should not be one and the same. However, Vince was permitted to showcase his talents as a ring announcer and commentator. In 1982, Vince purchased the Capital Wrestling Corporation from his father. By 1984, the renamed World Wrestling Federation would make a huge shift that would change the wrestling industry forever. Prior to this time, wrestling in North America had been run under a territory system. Each major promoter would have control over a region of America with the understanding that they would not promote on one another's soil. The National Wrestling Alliance was a governing body of sorts that saw to it that this respect for other promotions was upheld, and whose members, the promoters, had the power to vote for a single world champion who would be recognised as such in every territory. Vince's father had wanted his son to continue to respect the territory system. Vince, however, saw things differently, and in 1983 had led the WWF in seceding from the NWA. What followed in the wake of the Elder McMahon's passing would have likely stunned him, and it certainly caught the other promoters by surprise. Vince began not just promoting in other territories, but actively poaching their talent. Indeed, many of the WWF superstars of the Golden Era were originally products of the American Wrestling Association, the AWA. Chief among these was the charismatic Hulk Hogan, who swiftly became WWF's top draw. Hogan was the face of the rock and wrestling connection, which brought music stars and pop culture icons into the world of wrestling. Owing to a chance meeting and instant friendship between wrestling manager Captain Lou Albano and musical megastar Cindy Lauper. With the power of celebrities and Hogan's astonishing Americana-inspired charisma, the WWF one by one picked off their opponents. It wasn't all sunshine and roses, however. A humiliating misstep in 1984 saw the WWF take over the time slot formerly occupied by Georgia Championship Wrestling, whose fans vocally resisted the shift away from a more pure wrestling product towards McMahon's world of superheroic figures. In the end... McMahon would hand over the time slot to then-NWA president Jim Crockett Jr., owner of Jim Crockett Promotions. Under Crockett, JCP had been attempting to unify the remaining territories Vince had yet to buy out, and would eventually morph into the company that would give Vince his biggest headaches in years to come, Ted Turner's World Championship Wrestling. 
The bad times didn't last, of course. And to tell the truth, McMahon may have lost money on the GCW time slot deal, but he'd been making plenty off of megastars such as Hulk Hogan and Roddy Piper. Earlier that year, in fact, he promoted a show that would go down in infamy, the original WrestleMania. WrestleMania was the pinnacle of the rock and wrestling connection, as it saw the marriage of wrestling and celebrities to create a true sports entertainment spectacle. The event would go from strength to strength, with the third annual event seeing a main event which represents one of the most memorable moments in industry history, as Hulk Hogan clashed with Andre the Giant in front of a reported 93,173 fans in the Pontiac Silverdome. Over the coming years, Vince would add to the pay-per-view event calendar with SummerSlam, King of the Ring, and the WWF's Thanksgiving tradition, Survivor Series. Three of these Big Four events survive to this day as annual events, and King of the Ring sees semi-regular appearances as a televised contest rather than a dedicated pay-per-view. Hogan and a slew of other big names carried the WWF into the early 1990s, but in truth, the fans were beginning to tire of Hogan. The longer he remained on top of the company, the more damage he would do to the brand as fans hungered for new talent to rise to the top. As the Hulkster began to enjoy a reasonable level of success in Hollywood, it was becoming increasingly clear to Vince that fate had handed him an opportunity to end his working relationship with his longtime friend and move on to new stars. Assuming Hogan would simply move into an acting career, to say Vince was blindsided by Hogan signing with WCW would be an understatement. By this time, Vince had taken the WWF into the new generation. Stars like Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Yokozuna, Vader, and the emerging Mankind and Steve Austin were the ones who most connected with the fans. But the company struggled to capture the hearts and imaginations of the American public, as it had so easily done with Hogan at the fore in the 80s. Behind the scenes, McMahon had been embroiled in a national steroid scandal, and in an act of kindness Vince likely never saw coming, Hulk Hogan's testimony was one of the factors that kept McMahon out of prison. Well, that and the prosecution's case being undermined by the borderline insane rantings of former WWF superstar Nails. While McMahon avoided prison, his next challenge would be to reverse the fortunes of the WWF. WCW had been handing the WWF their backside, particularly with the rise of the New World Order, a faction of bad guys who were so cool and well-liked by the fans, it was almost a death knell for a heroic character to resist them. It was only in 1996 that McMahon's ownership of the WWF was openly acknowledged on WWF television, with characters hinting that president characters were merely puppets of Vince. The WWF product began to shift towards an edgier style, truthfully sometimes puerile. It was certainly working, as the late 90s were a time of extreme marketing. But the biggest change for Vince would come at the 1997 Survivor Series event, in a match pitting Shawn Michaels against Bret Hart in Montreal. WWF champion Bret was leaving the WWF for WCW, and was scheduled to retain the championship at Survivor Series before dropping it the following night. Brett had suggested dropping the belt to Steve Austin. Though the full details may never be known, what is known is McMahon, paranoid that Brett might take the WWF Championship with him to WCW, as former WWF Women's Champion Alundra Blaze had, only to drop the belt in the trash on live TV, conspired with Michaels, Hunter Hearst Helmsley, the future Triple H, 
and referee Earl Hebner that Michaels would put Brett in his own signature submission hold, the sharpshooter. McMahon would give the signal to Hebner, and Hebner would call for the bell and award the match to Michaels. Brett, of course, was not in on this. The act of disrespect that unfolded in that main event is one of the most significant moments in wrestling history, and is known as the Montreal Screwjob. If you thought fans would be turned off by Vince screwing one of their favourites, personally and professionally, you would be dead wrong. Instead, Vince doubled down, turning heel as the Mr. McMahon character, and insisting that he didn't screw Brett, Brett screwed Brett. Suffice to say, when no-nonsense rising star, anti-hero Stone Cold Steve Austin didn't conform to the standards laid out by Mr. McMahon, the two clashed, often very physically, with Vince sometimes stepping into the ring as a wrestler. Austin became the hero of the working man worldwide. Every downtrodden blue-collar worker who'd been disrespected by their boss saw in him someone they could live through vicariously as he kicked McMahon from pillar to post and always outsmarted the wily promoter using his brilliant cunning. The McMahon-Austin rivalry became must-see TV and fueled so many great WWF feuds and storylines. The Attitude Era was in full force and it made Vince a lot of money. The Attitude Era culminated in early 2001 with WrestleMania 17, still considered by most wrestling historians to be the greatest supercard in North American wrestling history. The event concluded with a main event pitting The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin against one another, the two biggest stars of the era facing off in perhaps the greatest match in all of WWE history with three years of emotion and build-up leading up to it. Earlier that week, McMahon had purchased WCW. Austin, The Rock, Triple H, Mick Foley, these were some of the names that had led his company to victory over Ted Turner. He bought WCW for a pittance and continues to make a profit off it to this day. Around the same time, Extreme Championship Wrestling, an influential promotion Vince had secretly helped over the years, had also filed for bankruptcy, and the NWA was now a footnote, almost a joke at this time, leaving Vince's WWF as the only national company left. He'd won. Vince McMahon was the only game in town. When ratings took a nosedive over the following year, it came as a shock to some. In many ways, it was to be expected, perhaps even predicted. The bubble had been growing for so long, it had to pop eventually. With nowhere else to go on a mainstream level, wrestlers in North America had two choices. Make it to WWF, or make significantly less money. Casual fans had grown tired of wrestling, and switched off in droves. WCW diehards never gave the WWF a second look. Vince wasn't hurting for money, but if he wanted to plug the holes in the ship, he needed to act fast. Much of 2001 was spent on the Invasion storyline, pitting WWF superstars against the former WCW and ECW talent the WWF had recently signed. The storyline is controversial and divisive, but ended with a total victory for Team WWF. In light of how unpopular the Invasion proved to be with American fans, Vince drew a line under it and focused on getting to 2002's WrestleMania 18. In just one year, 
McMahon had gone from being the king of his own little world to a man who now desperately needed to claw back viewers. He had more talent than he knew what to do with. But he was Vincent Kennedy McMahon. He always had an idea. And that, naturally, brings us to the 18th of March, 2002. Vince is a strange beast of a man, in truth. One of the most fascinating explorations of him is WWE's DVD, simply titled McMahon, which looks at where Vince McMahon the person ends and where Mr. McMahon the character begins. It's not always easy to tell, even for his closest friends and family. In recent years, Vince has earned a reputation among fans for sticking to his guns, even if it means making decisions the fans may not agree with. But as WWE continue to post record profits, perhaps living legend and former four-time WWE champion Chris Jericho has it best. Vince is set in his ways of doing things, and they're very successful. Before we draw to a close, let's delve into our mailbag and see what thoughts and feedback you guys have sent in. Pat Ketzer writes on Twitter, I won't lie, I wasn't a fan of the last Ruthless Aggression Era podcast I gave a shot after completing OSW Review and Attitude Era podcasts, so I'm really excited to see Ruthless Aggression Relived coming to life. And even better, with an awesome host in LT. I can't freaking wait. Well, Pat, you are much too kind with that awesome remark, but I promise I will do my best to live up to your expectations. This is my favourite period in wrestling history, and I want to do it the justice it deserves. Lost and Found, AUS, writes on Twitter, Just discovered the podcast, really loved the episode zero setup, and I'm super excited to see where this podcast goes. Can't wait to listen for a long time. Thanks for the support, Lost and Found, I really appreciate it. If you enjoyed episode zero, that's good news, because there may be bonus episodes in similar formats. Uh, that may actually be how many of the planned Patreon episodes shape up, to tell you the truth. As an aside, speaking of bonus episodes, I can confirm there's already one on the slate, with me being joined by Victoria Smith to discuss the history of women's wrestling. Here's a little snippet of a message Ego Panic sent to our inbox. Hello, LT. First off, as someone who grew up in the middle of the Ruthless Aggression era, I'm really looking forward to reliving moments I've long forgotten. Now, for the main reason of my mail. I know it's still going to be a long while until WrestleMania 21, but once you make it that far, I have something that could potentially help your project. I own the three-DVD collector's edition of that pay-per-view, which not only includes the show, but also some bonus content like the trailers and bloopers and the Hall of Fame ceremony, etc. I think the DVD version is probably a better experience than the network one, and having all the bonus content could help enhance the viewing experience. All the best for your podcast. I'll definitely be listening. With kind regards, Fabio, Ego Panic. Thanks, Ego. I really appreciate your support. One of the reasons I wanted to cover this period of wrestling history was because WWE have struggled to celebrate it for a number of reasons they can't always control. And hopefully this podcast might allow some new fans to reassess this time frame. And old fans such as yourself to go back and remember those old moments. And as for the DVDs, Ego is on the money. They are, by and large, the best way to view the shows. While I'm happy to subscribe to the WWE Network, at least until the UK gets shunted onto the far inferior Peacock setup, the network isn't without its drawbacks. As we alluded to even in this episode, it isn't uncommon for edits to be made for copyright reasons. 
and sometimes entire segments of episodes of the TV series don't survive on the network. While I don't begrudge the WWE for not wanting to spend money they may not feel is justified, I do think it sometimes affects the enjoyment of individual moments. As we discussed today, Hogan entering to Jimi Hendrix is a hell of a lot cooler than him entering to a sound alike. Thanks for all your feedback so far, guys. Don't forget you can contact the show on Twitter at RARelived and via email at ltruthlessaggression at gmail.com. Give me your thoughts on the WWF at the time, on the WWF draft that we'll be covering next week, and heck, give me your thoughts on the episode we've covered today. I'll always be happy to hear your feedback on the podcast itself. Here is where I would ordinarily tell you you can go back and listen to our older episodes but this is episode one uh, there is however an episode zero in the archives as we mentioned uh, in case you missed that and you'd like a little extra context about what led up to this episode of raw you can find this podcast on podbean apple podcasts google podcasts amazon spotify and probably most other places you get your podcasts from if you're listening to this i am sure you've already figured it out but whatever your chosen platform is, subscribing to the show helps tremendously. I truly, truly appreciate it, guys. I'm not just saying that. It means the world to me. And speaking of helping the show, a Patreon will be getting set up soon to help support the production of the podcast. There'll be bonus episodes, including regular looks at the WWF's magazines of the time, the forcible entry music album, and a grand look at Tough Enough Season 2, and I may have just convinced Johnny to join me for that. He's sat down and watched them all, so... Uh, let me know if you have any ideas for bonus episodes, and if they're good, they might just get added to the list. Our next episode is going to cover the Monday, the 25th of March 2002 edition of Raw, and the first WWF draft, for which I will be joined by my guest co-host, Stuart Jip. Until then, I've been LT Fletcher, and on behalf of myself and John Blurd, thank you for listening to the first edition of Ruthless Aggression Relived. Catch you next time.